0: Welcome listeners to a very special edition of Three Men in a Retrospective right here on Percolated Media. Despite what my sultry tones would lead you to believe, this is not a jet show. Just the surprise of everyone, because they hear my voice first, Goudreau here. I'm not alone. Uh, we got the main three here, first up, back after we almost ditched him in Pandora, Garrett, let's be honest. Yes. Uh, the level,
1: Adam. <laughs> uh hello
2: hello but like you like and you said
3: on your jet show though after what we are going to put him through in the next year which we'll get to and uh, however many years it takes to finish that retrospective ah uh, it was it was the least we could do
0: <laughs> yeah speaking of retros and sadism that brings me to the third person on this show <laughs> the the master completionist, I think for Christmas, he gave out four-on-tens, Mr. Garrett Collins.
3: Uh oh, good morning, everybody. It is morning for me. This is this is going to be fantastic because we actually I – like, I love our year-end shows because we talk about something other than franchises, although the franchises we're going to talk about in this next year are going to be so much fun to do. So this is going to be a fun show. We have a lot of good stuff planned for this. Actually, Matt, you have stuff planned for this.
0: Yeah, I do. It's called impro- Improvisation. <laughs> but – Despite what most of you think, so let's let's jump in the Wayback Machine a bit. We have closed out our first year here on the new site, and it feels like we literally just started taping again a couple weeks ago. Yeah. But here we are, nine months later, basically, new site. We're already a couple retrospectives in. And I got to be honest, we always talked about, back on the binge days, if we ever did our own thing, how we love having full autonomy and all these shows that we've talked about doing, but between the Batman retrospective, my show, because I'm a pl- publicity whore for myself, Garrett dropping a surprise interview, maybe that'll be a regular thing. We've really hit the ground running, I feel. I mean, with 50 plus shows in the bag already, Garrett, as sort of the architect of this, how do you think everything has panned out thus far?
3: I could not be happier about the way the first year has gone. You know, it's, it was really something when the three of us, I mean, I got the call that said, you know what, you guys, uh, we're going to, we're going to drop you guys a show, you know, good luck pretty much is the speech I got. And after that, I spoke to these boys and we've said the story a hundred times, but it, we just were like, yeah, let's do this. And I didn't know how this first year was going to go. One, I was in a brand new living situation. Um with somebody who, for the first time, I'm actually thinking very high future thoughts about. And I, I didn't know how she would receive it. I didn't know how you guys would go with... I mean, let's face it. Sometimes we tape two, three shows at a time. And that leaves me uh, record, uh, editing these damn shows for a while. It, it was I didn't know how it was going to go. Uh, fortunately, I have gotten all the support in the world, not only from you guys, but from the woman in my life. And... I, this last year, I mean, we've been very consistent. We've dropped a show every Friday. Every once in a while, we'll drop a surprise show like you mentioned, Matt. I, I, I could not be happier with where we we're going with this. And we do have plans for future. Yes, there are, you know, Patreon plans in the works. I mean, we have so many things. And plus, the, the retrospectives we have planned are things that the three of us have been wanting to do for fucking years. As far as the first year goes, I don't think it could have gone better.
0: There's a lot to unpack there, talking about next year and what we have coming up, but I'm actually going to save those bombshells for the end of this episode. Cause we got a lot of stuff to cover, but we got to go to Adam because this is the first time, Garrett, that you and I have a third person doing our end of the year
1: yeah.
0: sort of show. And this is also the record for Adam being our third co-host for nine months, basically. <laughs> Outside of, you know, one retro that we had Mike, uh, come in on, but, Adam, any regrets about tying yourself to the both of us at the hip at this point? Or are you waiting until Stephen King's done before you <laughs> throw us off the side? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't know. I mean, sometimes I come back. Um, oh, jeez, nice. Sometimes I come back for more. <laughs> you like one huh? Um, no, not at all. Um, you know, some apprehension, you know, of course. You know, just because I, you know, living up to a standard of being able to, to get in the watches that we do, do the work that we do, um, you know, time-wise. Every every show that we talk about takes an amount of time. Watching the movie takes an amount of time. And we all have vastly different schedules that coordinating is not always the easiest thing in the world, you know. Opposite sides of the coast, different shifts across the board, uh, family zone and whatnot. I wanted to make sure that, you know, I could play a role that would not – take away from being able to be steady, be consistent. Um, so I was nervous as all heck, you know. And on top of that, I didn't want to step on anybody's toes, but I also didn't feel, want to feel like a third wheel. Um, and when it comes down to it, I think the three of us have have some pretty damn good synergy. I think we bring different – well, I think we'll get into some questions and stuff later, but other than, you know, needing to increase my alcohol consumption for some of these shows, other than that, yeah, I've been uh, – been damn happy so
0: far. Garrett, for the record, we've driven Adam's liver into maximum overdrive. <laughs> <laughs> so, as it pertains to me, I obviously have been doubling up on a weekly show in addition to this since September. I'm kind of looking forward to the end of the NFL season because I'm just... I'm sure you are. I'm both I'm both burned out. And I'm not too happy with the way things have gone, so I will just leave it at that until my corner of the airwaves returns. But I couldn't be more impressed, and I think the Batman series that we did—not to get into some future topics of conversation—I think that was a once we got through Harry Potter, our Fantastic Beasts, is like you know the official site and closing some chapters on series we did for binge. Batman was sort of our first exclusive one here on the site, and being us, we did every movie associate. You know, look under a rock if it had the Dark Knight in it, we were gonna watch it. So it, it's one of our most comprehensive shows we've ever done, but I'm I'm very impressed, and I think it's laid a good foundation for what we've started to build here. But the the year in review, so. If you're a first-time listener to us here on Berkeley Media, when Garrett and I were working at Binge, at the end of the year, we do, like almost everybody else does, because we're conformists, that we do our favorite movies of the year, and we'll kind of talk about how we think the year is gone and what we'll have coming up. So that foundation's not really going to change. The only difference is we've we got, we got five movies piece because we have one additional person being Adam, and also we have... Um, a couple of things, as part of this show, one of which being, we got a lot of very good Q and A style questions. My God! To <laughs> kind of commemorate our one year anniversary almost here on the site, and in addition, each one of our significant others has, in the case of Garrett and myself, we each have envelopes. Yes. Uh, sitting here on our desks, that I promise you, it's sealed, unopened. And I told Christian, I said, "Surprise me," which is probably the wrong word <laughs> for me to say because there could be anything in here. There could be divorce papers. There could be, you know, there could be a, a third kid on the way. Who, who the fuck knows? But we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get there. So to get into the year, let me go to Adam first because you know we we've seen the Batman in theaters. We've seen Avatar. We watched *Prey* at home, so we've gotten some modern theatrical releases. But how is your, I guess, schedule allowed you to keep up with stuff that's come out this year besides what we do for the, the main show?
2: It's been it's been interesting. I mean, I've, I've tried tried to catch as many theater releases as, as I can. I can't get all that I necessarily want to. Um, I'm. Very lucky enough that, you know, my wife allows me a bunch where she's like, you know, yeah, you want to go see that movie, you doing it for the site, go go, go ahead, go do it. Um, if it's something that she doesn't necessarily want to see, it's, yeah, please, go, <laughs> go see it. Um, so I was I was pleased that I was able to catch more at the theaters than I thought I was going to this year, even not catching them all, and with one or two movies, actually being able to bring along uh, my oldest child, my daughter Madison, with me as well. So that was kind of nice that I got her starting to join me uh, in some movie theater viewing experience, you know, some, some daddy-daughter time, specifically in some horror movies, which has been quite fun.
3: I love that Maddie's a fan of horror, by the way.
0: Oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> so she'll be joining us. when yes! <laughs> we never do Halloween or some of the other <laughs> big franchises <laughs> that we have yet to do. Mm-hmm. But let, let's go to the man who not only goes to the theater, but he has his own specific area where he likes to sit uh, as advertised on previous shows because Garrett likes to think he owns the theater although he he might as well because who's going to tell him if he says you're in my seat who's going to stand up to that so my beloved host obviously you got a lot of shit you do on top of editing all these goddamn shows did you go to the theater beyond seeing what you were required to yeah we yeah. we did. We um
3: he, here's the thing, you know, as as you guys know, I, I used to go to the theater once a week. And since the new live-in situation and everything we have going on, I go once I'm lucky to go once a month. And yeah, I will make time to go with, you know, me and Jen will make a whole night of it. We'll go out to a very nice dinner and then we'll go to the movies and and it's and I always get a second viewing in because I, you know, for the most part, I do a lot of the plot summaries for this. Although, you know, Matt did a lot of them for – did all of them for Harry Potter. And he'll be doing at least one more this year. Um, but, again, I'll just say it's it's great to have the support like Adam does where she, she'll just tell me. It's like, you know what? You got to go for that site. You just go, you know. And her parents – actually for Christmas, got me a $100 Fandango gift card. So they know where my uh, love lies, you know, not only with their daughter, but at the cinema. And that's where I'll do a lot of my viewings. And as, you know, Matt, you know that I, when it comes to the second viewings, I'll go to a smaller theater and be sure to take as thorough notes as possible. So, But I, I think it all comes down to when you start a journey like this, when you start something like this, it all comes down to your support system. And I think the three of us have really found that support system, and I, I think the fact that we're doing our own thing, we don't have to rely on other support. We, we, you know, this is our thing. This is things. This is something that the three of us have put together equally. This isn't. We're not working for anybody else. You know, these guys aren't working for me. We're not working for Matt. It's just it, it's a it's a three man journey, and it's just one of those things where I am so happy to have that support and actually be able to do that. So yeah, I will make time. But, you know, when it comes to the weekends and whatnot, I will make sure if we have a movie that we're reviewing and we, do, we have quite a few new releases this year, uh, I will go on the weekend and I will make sure that, you know, I get the full experience possible. So, yeah, the support system is what does it for me.
0: In my experiences, typically I go with a close friend of mine who's much like me, a big movie buff. So when I don't have the opportunity to go with Christian, I'll bring my friend Alex and we see... Everything. Doesn't matter. I have seen some of the best movies of the last decade with Alex, and I have seen some of the worst and everything in between. <laughs> uh, we have had to pay for the, everything from the Emoji movie. This is back when I was writing, so, you know, I had to go see... Like, I literally had to go see shit, because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just... It, it's been a roller coaster. but th- this year was... I think I got to see almost everything that I had aspirations of seeing outside of the ones that were, you know, required viewing for what we do here. So I can't say I was, you know, dissatisfied or have any regrets about things that I've missed. But my my five movies that I picked, these are all... Uh, I've seen them all, of course, but not all of them were theatrical uh, screenings because a few of them were released on streaming services. Same. And I also excluded movies that we may have talked about. So I, I had the Black Phone pretty close to my top five, but I left it off since we already covered it. Um, so I wanted to keep it just the movies that we've never talked about. So that's kind of my my ground rule. And outside of that, I don't think yeah, there's almost nothing I've I really tipped my hand to. Um, so I will I will pass the buck to see who wants to go first. Uh, with their first selection, uh, and then we can tell them how wrong they are. <laughs> uh, A- Adam,
3: do you want to go?
2: You know what? Yeah, I'm going to start this off because there's nothing like starting it off with an argument. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to, and and I like some bad ideas, so I'm now having to rearrange some stuff on my list about stuff that we already did the same about. thing. <laughs> <laughs> scratch, scratch. So. But one of the more unexpected uh, experiences that I got in the theater this year, a uh, little movie called Clerks 3. Oh, wow. Okay. This movie had a lot of moments in it that I was not expecting. Um, it was obviously semi-autobiographical. Uh, uh, that word <laughs> for Kevin Smith. Um there were some big annoyances in the movie that I could have done without, but that movie ends on such a pitch-perfect moment. Uh, for anybody that enjoys cinema, enjoys storytelling, uh, that has lost a loved one, there is some amazing heart that I was not expecting. Um, and when you go into a Kevin Smith movie where generally you're talking about dick balls, you're not expecting to cry And holy crap, there was a lot of grown men crying in that movie theater. That was unexpected. I don't think it's his best movie by far, but I think it's definitely his most emotional movie. So I'm going to start my list off by, yeah, uh, my little fathom of that screening for Clerks 3.
3: You and I went to the same screening, Not not the same place, but we went the exact same day. And the reason why I went was because a guy I work with was like, let's go see a movie. And I was kind of on the fence, but this is one he really wanted to see. And I went ahead and agreed to it. It didn't make my list by far. (laughs) But I will say I think Smith (laughs) is at his best when he does stuff with heart. I'm the one who says that Jersey Girl is his favorite Kevin Smith movie. I'm that guy because I think he actually put a lot of heart into that movie. And there's, there's definitely a lot of heart in this one there are a few characters in this, in that movie, in this movie, this Clerks 3, that I really could have done without, although they were explained to me. Elias. Yes. And they were <laughs> they were explained to me, though. They were explained to me by the guy I was with. He was kind of talking yeah. about that and where they came from and whatnot. And they're, they're all from previous Smith projects. You know, he's got his own cinematic universe, Kevin Smith does. And, you know, I, I hadn't seen the last few, so I had no idea that any of these characters existed. But I will say, as although it didn't make... My list probably didn't make my top 15 of the year. I I respected him for actually trying to do something that had some heart to it. And in the end, there's a little making of thing. And he says, you know, he kind of made this not only for him, but for his fans. And if there's one thing I can say about Smith, he does go for the fans. You know, he loves his support and he gives back to them as much as he can. So I respected it, but I didn't like it too much.
0: didn't see it. (laughs) (laughs) all right (laughs) i i I, it's not that i didn't want to but it's been a long time since i've liked a kevin smith movie Mm -hmm. yeah same and i like clerks too but i'm one of the people who i've never been infatuated with clerks as a franchise because I, i think the first movie it's obviously hamstrung with the the limitations he had to work with. Like you listen to him talk about making that movie and how just uh by, by the skin of their teeth and the thickness of their wallets that it got made. Um and he's been doing this weird experimental thing lately with movies like Tusk yeah. and Red mm-hmm. S- and Red State where he's trying Red to State not, I love. Uh, he's trying not to do Kevin Smith yeah. and yoga hoser's almost broke me. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not I, that, that was one of the most excruciating <laughs> oh, unwatchable as <laughs> I've ever had. Um, but I'm going to uh, I'll go next then since I didn't see that. Uh, you talked about clerks being, you know, made for fans. And that kind of ties into my first pick, which I get accused a lot of being the most highbrow of the three of us and this is going to be a gloves off bitch slap to those comments. Because I have Beavis and Butter. Now
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's amazing to me that so often when we get these revivals, because we're big into over the last decade there's been an uprising in nostalgia mm-hmm. and revivals, things of that nature. And a lot of times when, when they come back, you always feel like they're missing that that one ingredient that really made it special. And what amazed me about this was that it's like Mike Judge hasn't skipped a beat. It, it, the animation's better, it's a lot crisper. Obviously, the title is capitalizing on the multiverse and, you know, infinite possibilities. But they're still two dipshit teenagers. Like, it's still the, the core of that show where they're, they're just sardonic, they're quick-witted, but, but, what I love so much of these to buy a as a property is that I showed it to Christian and I'm laughing my ass off and he goes why do you find this so funny and I, I have a very straightforward answer I said because they act like real teenagers
1: mm-hmm.
0: and almost 30 years later it's still like that and the there's obviously some commentary I think the funniest scene in the movie is when they talk, they learn about white privilege yes yes <laughs> Uh and there's all the stuff. like literally they go to NASA and it's them inserting a rocket into a hole for two days. <laughs> so it's you have to know what you're in for, but if you' if you're so, if you're a fan of Be with a Butthead at any point, this will definitely it'll take you back to a simpler time where you watch this in comparison to Do America, which I like a lot too but that one is very much uh, uh just slice of life like the whole crux is their tv gets stolen yeah <laughs> uh this one, this one they it opens with like we're trying to find out how many times i could kick Beavis in the neck yeah. before he passes out like <laughs> just uh and for for a comedy it's it's 90 minutes which is a great benchmark i hate when comedies are over 90 yeah. minutes uh it it knows what it is it doesn't apologize for it and it wasn't like, you know, I think it's something like, you know, the Roseanne reboot, where, yeah, it's kind of the same, but they took a step further into being raunchier. Uh, here it is as it's always been, and I gotta say,
3: I laughed my ass off. I did too. We, me and Jen, I think we like, I think we were on a drunken binge or something one night, and we decided to turn it on one night. We laughed our asses off. And the the thing I loved about it, too, and but, and Do America was the same way, where you thought it couldn't get more ridiculous, and it just goes even more ridiculous. <laughs> like just, oh, my God. I love that movie. I love that. I love those two from the bottom of my heart, man. I watched them a lot in high school, and it's just it hasn't lost a fucking step. Now, Mike Judge didn't direct this. Someone else directed it, but obviously, you know, he's the spearhead behind it. This this was just I fucking laughed my ass off at it and it was on the cusp of making my list. I I it would definitely be in my top ten though. They should have called it Beavis and ButtHead Do Uranus. Yeah. <laughs> wow, well, that would have been too mm-hmm. obvious though. <laughs> Adam, did you see this?
2: I did not see it. Oh, and for no, for no good reason because I love uh, Beavis and ButtHead Do America, and this South Park Bigger Longer and Uncut is probably my favorite comedy. Um. That's a movie I put on when I need to laugh. So this was right up my alley, and I just missed it, and I think I forgot about it after that. So I'm writing this down. I gotta
1: get. To I it.
3: think the I think us the two of us saw it in theaters. I believe. I believe. Uh, so. Do America. We saw that in theaters yeah. with our loved ones at that time.
1: Yeah,
0: I
3: can picture you two sitting there going, eh. <laughs> 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 "Yeah, do it." Wow. Yeah, it's uh, definitely get to it, Adam. All right, my number five is going to be a brand new holiday tradition.
1: Mm.
3: I saw this kind of thinking it wasn't going to be that good. I fucking loved it. It's a little movie called Violent Night. Ah, yeah. Now, this movie, when I saw the previews for this— and. I looked and I'm like, oh god, here we do, here we go, another killer Santa movie. You know how many times have we seen this? Ugh, Goldberg, <laughs> you know, like how many times have we seen <laughs> Santa go on a murderous rampage? Silent Night, Deadly Night. Like th- we've seen it so many times, but it's not that. It's literally Santa becoming John McClane and saving a family. And not to mention, this thing has violent action up the ass. It's got a lot of tributes to Die Hard. It's got tributes to Home Alone. It calls those out. And John Leguizamo is fucking fun as hell as the main villain of this thing. He has said in interviews that he was playing Steven Seagal pretty much when he was on set of Executive <laughs> Decision. He pretty much took that attitude. And, and he is so much fun in this. Beverly D'Angelo has a big part of this movie. Wow. Um, this movie is fun as fuck. And I, I'm telling you, I'm normally not one who likes you know these movies that call things out like the way this movie does, but it is so much fun. And not to mention, it also has a shit ton of heart. So definitely, Violent Night is my uh, number five. And Jen just got home.
0: (laughs) Did she come down the (laughs) (laughs) street?
3: Matt, did you see this yet?
0: I've been meaning to, but I I have to be honest, I wasn't rushing out. I wasn't going to run out to go see it. Uh, Because the word of mouth I heard was, it's fine. Um, But I also heard that from... The general populace not necessarily you know you guys because i've heard plenty of people give it a ring endorsement but um I, as soon as it hits like whatever streaming platform it's going to be on one of the five thousand that's out there uh i'll definitely be checking it out adam did you see All this right,
2: so then sorry no i i meant to um and mad she had asked me hey can we go see it and if we could have had a time, like the only reason I didn't is because I wanted to see it with her, and then we couldn't do it before Christmas happened. So once Christmas passed, it's kind of like okay, now we'll get to it. You know, now there's not a rush, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but it's it's I know it's available to to at least buy or rent streaming wise. So I'm looking forward to it. Heard good things, and you know. Hellboy is a killer Santa Claus. I'm down for it. Yeah, David
3: Harbour's fucking phenomenal in this. He's he's really, really good. And again, like you're thinking, okay, it's just gonna be a Killer Santa movie, but towards the end of this thing, there's there's a ton of heart, and I and I respected it for that. And not to mention it's done by one of the guys who did John Wick, too. So it um it, it definitely falls into that alley. But yeah, Violent Night number five for me.
1: So
0: Adam would be next on deck.
2: Alright. So Next, I got – it's a movie that we're going to discuss in the, fu- in the future, so I'm not going to go huge on it. But for a number of reasons, I really enjoyed Thor Love and Thunder. Now, for those that know me, I can't stand Thor Ragnarok.
3: This is <laughs> shocking you think to me. That, this is shocking.
2: <laughs> which means you would think that this then, obviously, I'm going to crap on as well. Um, but no, not whatsoever, because I think this sets a tone from the beginning – and it's consistent with its tone, which is the complete opposite of Ragnarok, which feels like it's ad-libbed throughout the whole fucking way to me. Um, Jane Foster Thor is the only Thor story from the comics that I really have enjoyed. I uh, thought Natalie Portman was absolutely amazing. I thought Christian Bale was, you know, did a damn good job. It had one of the most inventive sequences I've seen in a big-budget movie where you have an entire battle taking place in black and white on a black and white planet. And seeing that writ large on an IMAX screen was just great to see. Um, they could have done some things a little bit better. The score wasn't as great as it could have been. But, man, I am one of those that had a really good time with Thor, Love, and Thunder.
0: I was not one of those people. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, the, I'm the inverse of Adam, where I had a lot of fun with Ragnarok. And Love and Thunder was just a, it was a, it was a rainbow bridge too far, in my opinion, where I get the sense that there were certain components that were mandates that Taika Waititi had no desire to do. And I think those instances show. And if you're someone who, look, movies can now be sued for false advertising. I was promised Thor going off at the Guardians of the Galaxy, but they they leave that movie faster than, you know, your bowels uh, evacuate after two doses of Chipotle. Jesus Christ. And this was a movie that
3: I I have told you guys repeatedly that I really stopped watching Marvel right around the endgame. And so I am saving that for when we review it years and years down the line. I know we're going to get to it eventually, but... (laughs) I have heard the exact same thing you guys are illustrating, where people who really liked Ragnarok didn't really go for this one.
0: Yeah, so I'll get my my next one. Kind of ties into Thor Love and Thunder, uh, because it's the same franchise. Just came out two months earlier. Uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is my next wow. one. I promise all my movies don't have anything to do with mul- everything to do with multiverses. <laughs> Between this and people, um, But I I was very surprised by this. I'm not going to lie. Because when I heard that Scott Derrickson left the project over creative differences, that told me that Marvel is just looking for someone to point to the camera, say action, and just move on to the next scene. They gave the reins to Sam Raimi, uh, and he pushed this as far as he could, both with his patented camera work and with some shockingly depicted violence that I'm surprised Marvel didn't step in and say, hey, that's a bit too far. But uh, above all the, the, the Raimi flourishes and, and things like that, the reason why I have this on my list is that... I'm glad we finally got. We really got to understand Doctor Strange as a character for the first time, in that he is. He's finally being confronted for his toxic behavior, where he is. You know, in all the other movies, he's very, very condescending, very arrogant, he very self-compartmentalized, self-absorbed. Uh, and here he is taken to task for that, between constantly being asked, are you happy, when he's clearly not. He's a borderline alcoholic at the wedding of, uh, oh, what's her name, Rachel McAdams' character. Christine. Um, yeah. He's confronted by every, every alternative version of him has the same universal flaw in that none of them can have her. And he is the first one, like this one, he finally realizes, okay, there is not any qualm in which I can uh, find happiness in a romantic sense with her. Who knows? It might be with someone else. Uh, but I want to address the big criticism that the movie's gotten. It's the the Wanda being the villain of, of the movie got a lot of controversy. And my response to that is clearly you have not been paying attention to her character arc since Age of Ultron. She was introduced as a pawn of Hydra who willingly got experimented on to get back at Tony Stark. She enslaved an entire town and was never really brought to task for it at the end of WandaVision, which was one of my problems with the show. Uh, Here she gets her comeuppance, and Elizabeth Olsen just handling it up like she might as well be a deadite for certain parts of this movie. Um, And the cherry on top was after suffering through ten hours of the worst piece of television I've ever seen called Star Trek Picard, I got to see Patrick Stewart have his neck snapped on camera. And the worst kept secret <laughs> in the world, because these, go- these goddamn Marvel trailers don't know when to pull back. No. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I'm glad that, you know, it's... It maybe it's not as crazy as it could have been with that title. Um, but there's some really, like... Adam talked about the, um, the black and white sequence in Love and Thunder. There's a scene in Multiverse of Madness where they fight with musical notes. Like, literally anthropomorphized music notes. I'm like, that's so fucking cool. (laughs) And they actually explain as a doctor why he takes the Hippocratic Oath as seriously as he does. Uh, Which the first movie really doesn't... You don't get to know him that well. Um, But there's key pieces that are told here that I really responded to. So, as someone who collectively has been let down by Marvel's post-Endgame output, I thought this was a It was a very pleasant surprise, and it's probably going to be on my Disney Plus viewing cycle for quite a while. And we should never let 10 years go by without Sam Raimi directing another movie. Mm. Still haven't seen it. So I can't give any
3: opinions on this one. Adam, what about you?
2: I adore Multiverse of Madness. I think it was a great move to let Wanda be a villain, Um, and not only kind of a villain. She's a full freaking villain, and and I love it. Uh, It was a natural extension of so many good things. Uh, the battle at Karmontage is fantastic. Uh, I mean, what they do with Christine Palmer is a waste, but I think that was just not knowing what to do with that character. Clearly, by the end credit scene that happens and who shows up, I'm not going to spoil it for Garrett, because he'll be excited if he ever gets around to watching it. <laughs> um, but as Matt said, that musical note battle was absolutely amazing uh, to witness. And letting your... Letting your strongest Avenger kill Mr. Fantastic, kill Charles Xavier, Captain Carter, I mean, the entire Illuminati. The way, what happens to Black Bolt was the most, I cannot believe they did that move out of anything. And that includes snapping Charles Xavier's neck. Um, it, you could tell where Marvel had, you know, some dictates of what they wanted. Um, I'm still disappointed that we didn't get to see Nightmare as a villain. Still haven't seen Mephisto as a villain, as far as we know. Um, but I was a huge, huge fan of Multiperson Madness. It's on my list a little bit later, so I'll get that stuff out now, I guess. Um, I've watched it since on Disney+. Plus. I have the Steelbox Blu-ray. And, yeah, I, I was so pleased that they let this movie go as dark as it did.
0: We also got a mini uh, Spider-Man reunion because Danny Elfman did the music. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm.
3: All right. Is this me? All right. Garrett. All right. Yes. So people really, since I started on binge, people have really accused me of being a contrarian. And I – sometimes I'll embrace that and I'll go with it. But one person who has always been one of my favorites and I've never made any bones about the fact that he is one of my favorites is Guillermo del Toro. And Mm -hmm. when I heard he was doing a version of Pinocchio, I was like, okay – like one of our most demented <laughs> filmmakers of our time is doing a movie that is actually quite near and dear to me. And when I saw Robert Zemeckis' movie, me and Matt kind of had a back and forth. And I actually kind of liked Zemeckis' movie. I kind of dug what um, what they did with Jiminy Cricket, and it, it was it was fine for me. Not not any better than kind of good. Guillermo del Toro's *Pinocchio* is great. It's fantastic. It tugs at the heartstrings. It has every beat, except with that Guillermo del Toro touch. It's all stop motion, so it's Nightmare Before Christmas, except in Pinocchio style. And he has his own style. He has his own design on these characters. It doesn't make any difference, because they are phenomenal. And this movie, by the end of it, had me bawling. Guillermo del
0: Toro's Pinocchio is my number four. So I really like like, it. Um, I, I have one critique um and and it's just because of how pinocchio has always been structured i think this one is a bit bogged down with all the detours there are a lot of
3: detours in it correct and and that and that was a kind of thing for me too and and you know this thing is almost was it two hours almost and so it does kind of there are things that could have been cut out of it but i was still with it the entire
0: way yeah, and, uh, if we ever do the P- Zemeckis Pinocchio, I will, we will have, uh, fighting words, cause, uh, if we, if we did worst movies of the year, that would probably be my number one. Wow. Holy shit.
3: <laughs> worst mm-hmm. movies? That?
0: Ooh. Oh, God. I, like I said, I, I have, I have oh, God, I have so much to say. <laughs> uh, people being a cold hearted bastard. Adam, Adam, uh, did you see
3: this okay. one?
2: I have not yet. It's added to my Netflix queue. Mm. Um, it's just finding down, finding a day to sit and watch it. And, you know, for anybody that doesn't know, Garrett, I know you do. Matt probably knows. I, I'm a huge fan of Guillermo del Toro. Um, Shape of Water is one of my favorite films over the last couple of years. Um, I'm a fan going all the way back to Mimic. Yeah.
3: You and I saw um, that in theaters, I believe. I just,
2: yep. Yeah. I mean, that he can do that, – that he hasn't been given whatever he wants um, to do. Mount the Madness to me is – it's, it's one shame. of the biggest abominations in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. It's it's utterly ridiculous um, that him and Mignola, you know, can't get along enough to make Hellboy 3 was absolutely ridiculous. I mean, this guy's just watch behind the scenes features of him working with model makers, working with artists and watch this guy literally shed a tear by just seeing some of his creations come to life, even in model form. I mean, this guy loves, loves the medium. He loves the artistry behind it. Um, it's a shame that I haven't got to see this yet, but it's just, it's knowing that I'm going to, you know, I don't want to put it on as a background watch. I want to sit and be enveloped in it when I do because of what he, the care that he takes
0: to build worlds. I will tell you, you need to, when you sit down to watch it, uh, be in the right state of mind to watch it to the end because the first 10 minutes, if you're not ready for the full Two hours, because they, they drop a bombshell on you pretty early, as mm. far as letting you know what kind of movie it's going to be. because um, it's, you know, it's Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. This is the same man who made Pan's Labyrinth. So, <laughs> just, just keep that in mind when you sit down to watch it. I mean, look, Pinocchio's kind of a dark story to begin with. Uh, especially the, if you've ever seen the one with, uh, it's a perfect nightmare fuel, the one. You ever seen the one with Jonathan Taylor Thomas? Oh no! Where it was Jim Henson's Creature Shop did a puppet, and Martin Landau played Geppetto. Udo Kier is the cross-dressing villain. Like it, it's a weird fucking movie. Like Rob <laughs> Schneider's in it. It's it's a it's a goddamn horror show. Uh, but I recommend people watch it because it's so insane. Hmm. Uh, well, Adam, it goes back to you because you're uh, you're on deck for the next one.
2: All right, I'm up. So next one here. Um, th- this one kind of caught me off guard. I watched it just because I had watched the other film in its series, I guess is what it was. And I'm like, all right, I'll check this one out too. And I ended up liking this one a whole lot more than what preceded it. And that's a movie called Pearl.
3: Oh, wow.
2: By Ty West.
3: I did not expect now, to see this on your list.
2: <laughs> a lot was made of the movie X when it came out. Um, in fact, we discussed it on one of our shows that you want to know uncomfortable as seeing a full-blown trailer for X when you're in the theater with your, at that point, 13-year-old daughter.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I think they showed it before we saw uh, The Thing, which got released. Um, I wasn't expecting a whole heck of a lot out of this, but I'll tell you, some of these shots, some of just the creepy feel to this movie, really, I, I was in a mood for a just a bloody stupid gore fest. And that's what this was. And I enjoyed it for that. There's a soliloquy monologue that Mia goth has towards the end of this movie. That is so eerie, um, that I can guarantee that women are going to be, you know, doing that monologue in classes from now till the end of time. Uh, the final shot of the movie is unnerving that it sends chills down your spine. Um, uh, I'm not going to sit here and say it's a great movie, but damn, it was a fun, bloody, gore fest of a watch. And I enjoyed it for that. It's exactly what I needed at the day that I sat and watched it. So, yeah, I'm giving it up for Pearl.
3: Matt, would you have guessed in a million years that would have been on Matt on Adam's list?
0: No, but I also have to say that I have not seen it. Um, but, but, yeah, that does not strike me as something that I would expect. Uh, quite frankly, on either of your lists. <laughs> well, I'm no, I'm not a Thai West I, fan, no, so it definitely, no, I'm saying, it definitely didn't make
2: mine. Any That'd movie be... that we any movie that's been in a retrospective of ours this year, I am taken out of the equation. But oh yeah,
0: no, I I, I just I'm with Garrett. I'm not a Thai West fan, but the fact that Pearl got Martin fucking Scorsese's yeah, approval, uh, that was weird, wasn't it? Did <laughs> be go like? I guess I will have to check this out at some point. Now, now let me ask the question. Do I have to have seen X to appreciate this one? Uh,
2: I think you'd have to say to at least appreciate it, but it will stand okay on its own. Okay.
0: <clears throat> so, Garrett, why don't you go next? Because I think Adam's technically done four uh, since Doctor Strange was on his list. Okay. Matt, what was yours? Oh, I skipped myself. See, I, I should. Sure I, I, I don't have an ego, fucker. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you skip. Uh, but that ties into my next movie, actually, because it's all about how, um, how full of shit some people are. Uh the menu. Oh my god, I
3: still haven't oh. seen this, and I mean to, because my girls. In I it.
2: haven't either. I really want to. How is,
3: you, the I know. Taylor, I know.
0: Seen the menu. And I do have
3: an out each other Joy movie on this list, but I have not seen that movie yet. I keep meaning to, and I just fucking haven't
0: seen it yet. Well, I saw it not because of her. I thought the trailer for this movie was. It sold me. um This is the most A24 movie that A24 <laughs> did not make. <laughs> um, it, oh, let me put this disclaimer out there. This is not a horror movie like you would. Like, it's kind of being sold as. Um, it's got some horror tropes because a bunch of people get put on a deserted island. It's literally just this restaurant on the island. Like, he owns the entire property, basically. Uh, his staff live there full time. Um, you know, all, all the, the characters are despicable people outside of Anya Taylor-Joy, but there, there's a reason for that because there's a story reason why she's there. Uh, cause she goes last minute as Nicholas Holt's date. Who, by the way, uh, Nicholas Holt has become this generation's Peter Laurie because he has Peter been very good at playing just... Evil's not the right word, but like, guys who just want to punch. Cause his character is that, that pretentious foodie who sucks up to... It's like if he, someone met Gordon Ramsay and just sucked up to him the whole time. Uh... He is that character. Um Joe joy is great. But uh, I, I would let Ray Fiennes read the phone book to me. Mm-hmm. But the way the... Um, he, he's not... It's difficult to talk about this movie without spoiling it. But he is not... What the shows would lead you to believe that he's like a slasher villain. Where he's like out, you know, stabbing people in between meals or things like that. That's not his he's got a point that he's making. And it's it's not a subtle movie by any means because all the people who go here are the ones who can afford it. You know, like there's Smarmy Tech Bros, uh, your favorite, Garrett John Leguizamo. Mm-hmm. This is actually the movie he based Steven Seagal on um, because he's playing an actor in this. Okay. Um, and, and it's pretty obvious he's playing Steven Seagal because he gets chastised for shitty movies. And I think there's a joke about Um, How he threw a hissy fit on a set because his character got killed off. Yeah, yeah.
3: And just to be fair, I mean, Lee was almost did say in an interview that he did base Vino Night as well, but apparently he he had that in his head for this one too.
0: And it's, you know, I'm happy that so many, like, moviegoers have gone to see this and enjoyed it. Um, And it shows that, you know, your movie doesn't have to be subtle to make its message about, you know, this is obviously about consumer culture and how, especially how we treat the service industry. Yeah. Especially, especially coming out of COVID. So I, I think it's got, it's got a very strong point to make, but um this is kind of like, now, now that Ray Fiennes is, you know, 60 ish. I think he has entered his Vincent Price era where he's just going to have fun. Um, And he, he has some great monologues in this. Like he introduces every meal with a story. Um, and, and there's something happens and not to spoil it. There is a scene in this movie where he turns into Voldemort where he points at somebody and, and he, I'll, I'll send you guys the clip, but it, it made me laugh out loud because like the way he contorts his hand, it is exactly how Voldemort points at people with his wand. Um, yeah. I, I, I can't recommend it enough. I, I think if I had to rank them, this would probably be my number two.
3: It was. I think it was very telling that when we went and saw Avatar, I looked up, and Avatar was on every single screen of the theater we went to, except for two. One of them was Wakanda Forever. One of them was The Menu. And uh, I looked, and I'm like, God damn, I need to see that movie. So I, And this endorsement really is pushing me, so I definitely will see it. All right, am I going? Yeah, well, you're coming or going. We'll see. <laughs> Your turn. All right. Uh, Oh, gosh. This one is probably unexpected. You guys wouldn't expect me to put this on. And um, I was not a big fan of Martin McDonough's Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Uh, But I am a big fan of In Bruges. And when I heard there was a new one coming out with Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrell, I was like, I'm not sure. Like, Can he do it again? like he did with In Bruges, which is I, I adore that movie so much. But uh, The Banshees of incerin is a really good movie. It was one of those movies that I didn't see in theaters. I did see it. It's on HBO Max right now, and I put it on one night, and I just got so invested in this friendship. And if Colin Farrell does not get nominated for this fucking movie, there is a serious conspiracy going on because that man acts his ass off in this movie. And I'm not going to give too much away. But I will say that the the friendship that develops here reminds me of a lot of the friendships that I've had over the years where it, it, it goes and ebbs and flows. And one of the men on this podcast could probably attest to that where, you know, some people change and then some people stay the same. And this movie goes with that and – I really, really jived with the Banshees of Inverness, and that is uh, that would be, be my number three. I, it just it, and it has a lot of heart. By the end, it's uh, it, it really tugs at you. So, yeah, I, I adore this movie.
2: Not seen it, but I'm adding it to my HBO Max playlist right now.
0: Yeah, the, only, it. the only reason I haven't seen it is just because it's not playing anywhere near me currently.
2: Mm. Yeah,
3: so you none of you gentlemen have seen it.
0: No. Wow. All right, because Ganary talked very highly about it. Yeah, too.
3: he did, and he also talked really highly of uh, God. That that goddamn everywhere, everywhere, everything, all at once. Where the fuck that movie is? And oh, uh, well, my number one fucker.
4: No,
0: I was oh, waiting for that bad. multiverse it, to tie it, together. It. Oh. It was not a fan.
4: Yeah,
3: that movie <laughs> was just so overrated. But yeah, uh, Banshees of In If people haven't seen it. You know, it's not gonna it's not gonna set any things on fire. Like, it's not a big adventure movie. It's it's a relationship movie, but it uh, it, it hits some it hits some notes with me. And so, yeah, number three.
0: Speaking All of right, it, so, yeah, speaking of hint notes, Adam, you got one left, right?
2: Yeah, I'll just say my number two. Then I'll say Doctor Strange. <laughs> I'll slide it in just so I can pass it. Okay. Right you. I said said what I said on it, and I haven't really ranked these. Number two. But. Wow. I'm not really ranking these, um, but yeah, Doc Strange 2, love it. Listen, I've watched that movie, Say I think I saw it twice in theaters, and I think I've seen it two or three times since. And then I'll watch the Illuminati sequence monthly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, Goudreau. All right, well, this, this is the, the one that's really going to be contentious, because I know Garrett hated this movie. Um, and, we, and we kind of, Talked about this smidge that I, I like experimental horror films far more than most. Um and, and this is a movie that look, it, it's not gotten the most universal of praise, but goddamn did I just I admired the the provocative nature of it, and that is Alex Garland's movie Men. Oh fuck you. Seriously? Yeah, I'm one of the, I, I'm one of the staunch defenders of this movie. Wow. Um, Defend it. I, I think, <laughs> well, I, I, it's amazing that this movie is simultaneously uh, too much to where it's overwhelming and sometimes not enough. I think that's an interesting dichotomy. Um, but I think it's a, it's a great movie about discomfort and leaving you in a constant state of being uncomfortable and how you know, it's a blatant thing about how there's no like disguise that can get over abuse or mask it. Um, I don't really connect with it on an emotional level, but I thought some of the imagery was really striking. I thought the main actress was outstanding, um, and I'm and I'm okay with um, these kind of movies not being the most grounded because this this had some like later David Lynch vibes to me. Um, I, I think of something like. Uh, uh, Inland Empire kind of reminded me of a little bit with some of his some of his techniques. Um, I liked how he used a lot of the his color palette, the way he uses movement in the background. It wasn't for the ending. That was the one thing that kept it from being my number one. I, I can't say exactly what happens, but I thought it was um, it was a birth too far. I'll say that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I and Al Garland is someone that I I hated Annihilation like I absolutely hated it. I wasn't a big fan. Wow, uh, but I I really love X Machina, so I'm not necessarily in the bag for him as a director. I, I think he's a great writer. Um You know, he's worked with David Boyle quite a few times, Um and I was surprised as anybody because I saw this after Garrett had seen it and just shit all over it to be perfectly
3: honest yeah our little our little discussion group I, I had just seen it and I and I talked to these guys because I knew there was no way we were going to talk about it on the podcast and there are movies where you know the three of us will go to a movie theater we'll see a movie and we'll come back and we'll talk about it to each other and I had just seen that movie and I came back and I told you guys fuck this movie Alex Garland really shit the bed with this one and now I come back eight months later to Goudreau saying it was his top two of the year <laughs> That's why I stayed quiet. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, I, I and I know what, exactly what you're think, what you're talking about with that ending. And I just thought by the time the ending had come around, I had already tapped out of this movie, and it felt like an act of desperation in my point, and my idea. Like this, this three act movie, it had maybe a half an act where I was really with it, but it really lost me pretty quick.
2: I've not seen this one yet, however, I still mean to. I'm a fan of Alex Garland and A24, so I, I've heard so much contentiousness around it. I still can't wait to see it. And all said, I like Annihilation a lot.
3: I know you do. Really? You're a big yeah. fan of that movie. Yeah.
0: This movie is the mother of 2022. <laughs> you, are gonna, <laughs> yeah. you are either going to really love it or you are going to hate it with every ounce of fiber in your body. I can agree with that.
2: See, I, which is good. I adore Mother. Absolutely adore it, which is strange because I can't stand Midsummer.
0: Oh, God, God, Midsummer is—I feel about Midsummer the way Garrett feels about Everywhere, Anywhere, All at Once, where I was just like, <laughs> "Oh God, we've seen all this before," <laughs> and it was half the runtime. <laughs> <laughs> all right, is it, yeah. Speak, uh, all right, Garrett. <laughs> uh, let's see if you and I are going to disagree on this one.
3: Okay, so two of my favorite directors had movies come out this year. And one of those directors is Robert Eggers. I love Robert Eggers. I thought the Lighthouse was fantastic, and when I heard he was doing a Viking-based movie, I was like, "Well, that's an interesting take." You know, the the guy has done a flat-out horror Mm -hmm. film, and um, the Lighthouse had hints of horror in it, but it was, you know, it was mostly a black-and-white drama. So when I heard The North Man was coming out, I'm like, okay, wh- what the fuck is this? And there have been so many instances where I was like, okay, am I going to watch it? Am I not going to watch it? And one night, Jen went to sleep, and it was one of my nights off. I turned it on. Um, I turned it on Peacock, and I'm watching it, and I fell in love with it so much that I watched it again. Uh, the Northman is my number two. It's the one I was talking about earlier that had Onion Taylor Joy in it. Uh, this movie is fan-fucking-tastic. Bjork has a great role in this. Ethan Hawke has a great role in this. Nicole Kidman, uh, this movie is fantastic. It's got a lot of twists in it. Uh, Matt, you and I have spoken a lot about Ridley Scott and what he did with Kingdom of Heaven. Uh, I think Robert Eggers has really taken the bull by his horns and has done just three just phenomenal movies in a row. I love The Northman. Have you guys seen this one yet?
0: Uh, I did, and unfortunately, I'm not with you.
3: <laughs> See, this is why we podcast together because we can't agree on a goddamn thing.
0: <laughs> and let me let me say though, I my, my problem with this movie is not the same thing as what you have with men. Like, I, I don't hate this movie. I just thought it, it's one of those instances where. I think the filmmaking and the craftsmanship, much like Avatar, distracts from a very rote story. Um, I didn't think there was anything in here that I, that I really uh, responded to outside of uh, my pants whenever Alexander Skarsgård took his shirt off. Um, I think that was the most uh, engagement I got in this entire movie.
3: <laughs> Adam, I assume you haven't seen this one yet.
2: Well, why are you going to assume I haven't seen it? No, I have not seen oh, it. Well, it's got Nicole Kidman um, naked. I, the... I thought
3: for sure you would have seen it.
2: It's got Nicole Kidman naked. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. All right, I gotta go. <laughs> um, I I saw about the opening five minutes of it and, and it's not that I didn't like it, I just went, Okay, this is gonna take this is this is an effort movie, you know, and I was like, I'm not in the mood for a two hour epic right now, I'll get back to it later. Um no, hate on is just – I do think getting the man who played a role named Eric Northman to play the Northman is kind of uh, a little on the nose for us true bloodies. Um, but it's – I'll get to it. I've heard it's good. I just – yeah. if I want to see Anna taylor Joy, I'm putting in my copy of New Mutants.
3: No, you put in The Witch, goddammit. You don't put in New Mutants. Fuck that movie.
2: I haven't seen The Witch yet. fucker. <sighs>
3: all right, so no,
0: Northman's my number two. Oh, all right. Well, my number one, my uh, last number well, one. Yeah, you're number one, but I don't think it, I don't think we all have the same number one because I know what Garrett's is. I know what mine is. I have no idea what Adams is.
2: <laughs> I don't think you guys have had any idea on my list. So far. No, you've taken us
3: <laughs> you've taken us off guard for the first four of these five. So this one should be very interesting.
1: Ugh, oh,
2: kind of digging it. Um, my last one that I have here, and as I said, you can you know jumble all these up, not necessarily going to one to five. Um, but this was the first movie of this that I got a chance to see in theaters. Definitely was a theater experience. The sound alone made this something that was pretty damn great to watch, and it was a very different movie than what I thought it was going to be. I'm glad I avoided every trailer for it until i got a chance to sit with my daughter watching the theater and we had a long discussion afterwards about all the meanings and everything that was going on in the movie um i still think he's one of our though he's quite celebrated still gets overlooked still gets underrated and that's jordan peele i loved no nope.
3: what the loved fuck no nope. wow another horror yep. film yep so i haven't seen it yet <laughs> haven't watched it i was bored by both of jordan peele's movie like previous movies I, i i am not a big i know i'm in the minority here but i am not a fan what was it about nope that really got you
2: it it played to something real different with old school hollywood you didn't know exactly what was going on and when you did he was it's one of those things where Okay, you think this is what it's going to look like. You think this is what's going on. And every, You know what nope means? Whatever you think this movie is, nope, that ain't it. Oh, this is what this thing's going to look Nope, that's not what's going on. This is what's happening. Nope, that's not what's actually happening. Um, it was just such a twist from a normal type of horror movie, from the characterizations, from the, the meanings behind it, from the reasonings. Um, him even taking a shot at, what Hollywood would do to child actors and, you know, people back in the industry. So I just, something about this movie resonated with me all the way throughout. Um, I'm glad Universal has actually built the set, and they have it at Universal on the Backlot Tour now, because I'm hoping that we get a chance to go see it. But I, I don't know how it would play at home. I haven't watched it at home since, but, man, it was great on the big screen.
0: Well, I would not have called that, must say. <laughs> um, let, let me say the reason why I didn't include it I'm almost in the same camp as Adam is because I really think this is a movie we should do as a patron exclusive um, mm-hmm. because I think of Jordan Peele's movies this is the one that I think sparks the most universal conversations um, and has probably the most hidden meanings um, it, it's very much and I, and I know it's just because it's the third movie it deals with aliens it's very much signs for Jordan Peele except it sticks mm-hmm. the landing in my opinion um but yeah I am, I'm shocked that you're number one
3: yeah that has big oh. big time shock
0: uh but my number one is we're talking about uh nope is the one person you can't say no to as far as toning it down is uh Mr. Baz Luhrmann oh shit uh, yeah oh wow I have Elvis as my number one. Oh, shit. Now, I am sort of afflicted by bias to an extent. I adore Baz Luhrmann, and I think he's one of our great sort of untamed horses of directors, where he's like, look, I'm going to make the movie how I want to make it, and none of you can stop me. Uh, They don't always work. I think his Romeo and Juliet is garbage. Uh, but. Oh, God. I think the acting in that movie is so bad. <laughs> oh,
2: it's my favorite. Mercishio.
0: Um, But I love Moulin Rouge. That's one of my favorite movies ever. Um, no. And Elvis kind of reminded me a lot of Moulin Rouge with the, the garishness. I mean, obviously, there's music as a, as a plot point, um, but, you know, the staging, the movement, the kinetic editing, it's very much Moulin Rouge, but for... The, the hundreds, if not thousands of impersonators out there. Because it, Elvis impersonator might as well be a job description you find on LinkedIn. There's so many of them. <laughs> uh, I thought Austin Butler nailed it. Um, and this could have been a performance where you thought, yeah, he's, you know, he's got the moves, he's got the, you know, the hair, he's got the mannerisms, but is he really Elvis? You know, uh, I, I was immersed. Um, and I've honestly never paid attention to him as an actor. Speaking of fucking yoga hosers, um, he's in that, he's in that for a little bit. Um, I thought he, it reminded me of watching, uh, when I saw Taron Egerton play out John where I'm like, obviously the person they're playing is one of a kind, but I think he gets as close as you can without doing what Rami Malek did, which is just put on fake teeth and do an accent where I'm like, okay, that doesn't even feel like Freddie Mercury. Um, this to me felt like Elvis because they didn't, for the most part, they don't gloss over the, the fact that he made some mistakes in his life. You know, obviously with his, you know, wife, who was underage at the time when he fell in love with her. Um, he didn't have the courage to stand up to Parker whatsoever, and history probably would have turned out very different. Uh, so, so that brings me to the big, the big debate of this movie is Tom Hicks. Yeah. Uh, who has had a very strange year because I thought he was fucking terrible in Pinocchio. Um, I think here, in this movie, because Elvis is larger, li- larger than life, and Baz Luhrmann directs that way, you almost need a borderline supervillain. And I think the way that they depict Parker in this, which I'm sure is pretty true to life as far as his business tactics and the way he was able to manipulate people, that seems very true, but I like that Tom Hanks played it so broadly and he he just looks monstrous throughout the entire movie. Uh everything is heightened. And I and I really admire that for biopics because I'm so tired of the standard the movie that Walk Hard made fun of are the kind of biopics I'm tired of seeing. So this and Rocket Man where they're you know, they're a lot they're they're fantastical, they're heightened. Um And they're led by, I think, star-making performances. You know, you advocate for Carl Farrell. I'll be shocked if Austin Butler's not in the best acting race. I guarantee you will be. Yeah. If they can give Remy Malik an Oscar for putting on a mustache and lip syncing, uh, they should give it to Austin. Because, look, Austin Butler doesn't sing, outside of a couple parts where they, they blend his voice with Elvis. Um, It's not about – I don't need actors who can necessarily sing. You know, it helps – uh, you know, Walking Phoenix sounds a lot like Johnny Cash. Um, but there's been plenty where they, they don't sing, but they get the. Um, there's one part in the movie when he does the. If you know Elvis' life, the big comebacks, the Christmas special he did on. Yeah. I don't know what channel that was, where he does if I, if I Can Dream. Uh, that was the big, like, you know, thing he did against all, uh, discretion. That is the moment where I'm like, oh my god, he's. He's pitch perfect, like the way he moves, uh, the, the way he moves, you know, does the emoting with his face, uh, the way he holds the microphone. Uh, it's all spot on, and it's pretty captivating for a movie that's two and a half hours long, and I probably could have watched that.
2: I, I saw it. It took me a few times to get through it. I I think I fell asleep, which is saying so, I, clearly it shows how tired I was, because Baz Luhrmann is not one where you fall asleep, but Baz Luhrmann on screen where, you know, wife and I adore Moulin Rouge. It's, you know, it's our movie. I thought Austin Butler was very good. If he gets nominated or wins, it's just going to make me that much more upset that Taron Egerton didn't get his deserving nomination. You know, um, it's a good movie. I will say that I found, I found Tom Hanks distracting, but you go with it. He's so distracting in the first five minutes that a hundred minutes into it, you don't really notice anymore. Uh, and I do agree that Austin Butler really does a good job of capturing Elvis, you know, and I agree that they went through some of the lows and didn't really, didn't completely gloss over some of the mistakes and, you know, show that he had no spine to stand up to Parker. I thought was, was interesting because you never see that kind of stuff. So I didn't know what movie to expect out of it, but. I think Baz Lerman was definitely the right person to take on that, uh, that task.
3: Tom Hanks was the thing that kept it out of the top five for me. Otherwise this would have yeah. definitely made it into the top five. He was just too distracting for me. Look fucking Elvis is so amazing in this movie. And by the end of it, like the, they do the whole thing where they're intermingling. Matt, I think you and I have spoken about this before, where when you have biopics, you have intermingling of old footage with the, with the actor who played them. And by the end of this movie, like, you can literally see, yeah, like, he, he personified Elvis so well. He was so good, and he does deserve an Oscar nomination. But, God damn, Tom Hanks was just, between the makeup and, and the accent he put on and everything that had to do with that character, it, it, it kept it out. But that's not to say it wasn't, a, it wasn't a good movie. It was a very good movie. I really, really dug Elvis. It's just, it it, it might have made my top 20, but not my top five. Well, I, I know what your number one is, so you can uh, – Oh, you do? Yep. <laughs> anyone who knows me.
1: Anyone, yeah, because you're you. <laughs> yeah.
3: Anyone who knows me knows that uh, – knows what my number one will be. And this isn't going to be a big shock to anybody. Uh, he may or may not, this filmmaker, have, have made my number one favorite movie of all time that we'll talk about later on this year. Uh, I am a massive, massive Steven Spielberg mark. When I heard he was doing the fabulmans, I was like, okay, well, he fin- he's finally doing it. He's finally doing his semi-autobiographical pick. I was definitely expecting a lot when I went to this movie. Like, this is a movie straight from his heart. And, you know, Matt is big on saying that, you know, there's so much, so saccharin. And I thought, would he go overboard with this? I am happy to say he did not. I think this movie is chock full of great performances, not only by the guy who played Spielberg himself, but also Michelle Williams, who if she doesn't get another Oscar nomination, if not a fucking Oscar, she, there's something really wrong out there. And not to mention Seth Rogen, of all fucking people, is great in, in this movie. Um, I think this movie needs to be seen by somebody who wants to get into filmmaking. I think it needs to be seen by people who have been in that world. I think it needs to be seen by anybody who has big dreams of making it in in this big world of of, uh, filmmaking, not to mention, not not only filmmaking, but also life. Uh, It's made by somebody who was trying to find that inner child within himself that thought, I want to be a filmmaker. And everything we've seen, you know, and I watched the documentary on HBO right before I went to this movie, and there are things said in that documentary that are personified in this movie. Uh, For example, J.J. Abrams says that when they did, when he did the uh, war movie that he did, the little little film that he did to show shots on the ground, he put little platforms on the ground and put sand over them, and people stepped on the platforms and made the sand go up to make it look like there were gunshots. And they actually show that being done in the movie. And I remember going to Jen saying, "Oh my God!" I said, like they just talked about that. Like I just saw that being talked about. Things like that. This is made by somebody who loves film. There are rumors that this could be his very last film. And if it is, it's a definitely a great way to go out. Look, is it going to be Best Picture? I highly doubt it in this huge, huge cinematic environment. But my number one, which shouldn't surprise anybody, is The Fabelmans.
2: There is no doubt it's going to get nominated for it.
0: It definitely will. Yeah. 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 Spielberg is now in the Meryl Streep category where he does anything of decent quality because at least they didn't have the wherewithal to nominate Ready Player One. Well, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> thank the gods but I have, I have a question because I haven't <laughs> seen it and I, and I ask this with all sincerity does the movie have a good end yes
1: L- let's okay, put it this
0: first,
2: way I'll I, I just say this I know how the movie ends which I can't believe yeah,
0: the way you had the same. one
3: scene you have heard about this movie is the way the movie ends the most talked about scene of this movie is the way it ends and it is a great ending and uh, there's a little thing right after that scene that well, I'm not going to say exactly what happens, but yeah, it, it has a great ending, and you definitely see but see somebody
0: who has big dreams getting ready to fulfill those. Speaking of big dreams, uh, I think some of them were shattered because there was not one movie that all three of us had, <laughs> which I'm happy
2: about, by the way.
0: <laughs>
1: nope.
2: And uh, though I'll say, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say if you know if I look at movies that we've already discussed this year um that i would put on there black phone would be one really? that i would put in my top 5 shocking oh i i oh go back and listen to our uh, no i remember the i remember or, the podcast I can't scare see if i was going to talk <laughs> yeah, if i was like going to
3: say a movie that we've talked about that would have made this list i would have put maverick on there
2: maverick yeah maverick is on there the batman is on there um so we i mean we had some big ones this year maverick i still can't believe just how they were able to pull off a magic mm-hmm. trick with
0: that being as good as it was. Uh, uh, the first two hours of the Batman would be on my list. Yeah, same, dude. Like, yep, same. Yep. Unfortunately, there's another hour that just... Yeah, go back and listen to that I, the I talked about it in the review. I sat there for the first two hours going, oh, this might be maybe the best Batman movie, barring a few things, and then...
2: And then No Man's Land came.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, th- and then shit hit the fan. Um, but, but speaking of shit hitting the fan... Um, we, we are not going to do a worst of because we we value our time on this planet. But I will say as a fall, <laughs> I am the person who goes out to watch the worst of the worst. <laughs> and we covered one of them this year, Garrett. We did. The new Texas Chainsaw movie <laughs> yeah. would absolutely. Like, if we were making a worst of, what an irredeemable oh. piece of shit from an already bad franchise. Oh my god! I can't. pray was an honorable mention uh, for me. Just. I think the su- the surprise element of that. I also had a su- as a honorable mention Michael Bay's movie *Ambulance* because i I was surprised. Uh, it might be his best movie. Uh, it helps that it's a remake, but it is it is what Bay does well. And when I can look at Jake Gyllenhaal for two plus hours, <laughs> I am I am reasonably more than reasonably content.
2: See with that other ones that I put in here that I enjoyed this year, I, I really liked the Grey Man, even though it was a Gray Netflix, Man. you know, stream. Really? The Grey Man. It was Russo Brothers, good time. Um you know uh, Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans just, you know, spy versus spy. There was some fun times in that. Uncharted, I was surprised how much I liked it because I went into that movie with my arms crossed as a huge, huge fan of the games, and that movie being in development so long. Marky Mark went from being the lead character to the old man in that movie, literally. Um, But if you enjoy the games, that movie basically takes the game and put it on screen. Other than Tom Holland looking like a 16-year-old for the entire thing. Yeah, I think that was it for me that I had, you know, that I had at least gone through.
3: One thing I've loved about this year in movies is, goddamn, Matt, as fans of horror, like horror has been the talk of the year. Adam had a fucking horror film in his top five. Two? It, 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 it's one of those things. And, and Black Phone was one of his favorite movies of the year. Uh, Barbarian yeah. was a big one with me. That almost made my top five. Uh, it's just been one of those years. I, I watched a movie the other night. I wouldn't really recommend it. I would recommend checking it out, though. Like, it's not one of those movies I would say was great. But I would recommend checking out Bones and All, which is, goddamn. You talk about a fucking crazy-ass movie. Uh, so I love the fact that horror was on the tips of a lot of people's tongues that y- you would not expect.
2: You know, if this if this rumored collaboration between James Wan and Blumhouse comes together, it's going to be really interesting to see what they do with horror.
3: Absolutely, yeah. And and you know, one of uh, the invitation almost made my list as well, which was a great movie. It's one. Of, it's been one of those years that uh, streaming has really taken over, you know. But at the same time, there are big movies that the three of us are going to cover this this next year that aren't on streaming uh we did cover prey which was a streaming exclusive uh and we'll definitely have more of those throughout the years but i I think as a whole like it's been really good going to the theater and seeing just great great movies this year
0: so from great movies to great
3: questions
0: um we're gonna do that right now or we're gonna do
3: the or or we're gonna save the uh signal to other questions huh
0: I think we'll we'll save the save the slate for the end. Okay, all right. Uh, to give people a taste, so all three of us have looked at these questions ahead of time, outside of our secret ones. Um, a lot of people sent questions. Some sent more than others. So you know who you are. Yeah. Uh, please, please don't <laughs> please don't think I was insulted. I thought it was great that we got uh, so many questions, and we got yeah, uh, pretty interesting variety. Like it's not all like. When I put out that disclaimer, it was not to be an asshole, it was just to say, Hey, some of these if you want specific thoughts on a movie, either we've already covered them or we will be very soon. Mm-hmm. Um So I guess the, the I'm gonna go down the line and we'll just kinda you know, answer these. So it's the age old question, how did you all meet and become friends? Well, the money certainly helps, but I will <laughs> I will turn the floor to you. <laughs> I will turn the floor to these two guys because they have a much more extensive history than I do. Adam
3: and I went to high school together. We had—I think there was one year that we had six classes, and I think the two of us had four together. And so yeah. we literally—and his name, his last name begins with a B, mine begins with a C. So we were always seated next to each other. So there was no way we were <laughs> if we didn't—if we couldn't stand <laughs> each other, we had to find a way to stand each other. And so we became friends in that way, and we kind of roamed around. you know, I would I played football in high school, and he was and Adam was just kind of in the background for a while, and then it just got to a point where we'd spend weekends together, we'd spend summers together. After we graduated, we had a couple of years there before he went to this into the army where we were together every weekend, every every day that we weren't working, we were together. Uh, there was a third member of our circle of friends there who would come over. We watched wrestling every single week together. We'd go to the movies (laughs) together. We had girlfriends who were friends. And so the four of us would go out together and it was like that for a number of years. And then we went through a phase where we didn't talk for a number of years. And then once Facebook came around, we reconnected and it was slow You know, we didn't really jump back into being friends. We just kind of, we became Facebook friends and we would message each other every once in a while. And then it got to the point where we would exchange numbers. And then when I got, when a friend of both of ours was starting a movie and I decided to become a main producer on it, I called Adam. I said, would you be in this movie? And Adam said, yeah, where do you want me to be? And it was around that time where, you know, the two of us really started talking again. And, you know, if I was in a bind... I would call Adam, and uh, he would help me out of it. And um, then I went went through college, and I went down to Hollywood. I went to San Francisco and worked for a bit. And Adam was always there, you know. And me and him were friends, and then I brought him to Adventure Amigos, and eventually I brought Goudreau to Adventure Amigos. But, yeah, me and Adam are the ones that we go back the furthest. We go back 30-plus years. And I think it's funny because – there are times in our, in our reviews of films where I think that whole thing of us being those long friends kind of come out because we still have those same things that we say to each other that trigger the other. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we, do, we know the buttons to push. Yeah,
3: we definitely know the buttons to push on each other. But what I love about the three of us is, you know, when we brought Goudreau to the Adventure Amigos, it was one of those things where I brought him in because of his writing. But the more the three of us talked... And eventually, we brought me and Goudreau brought Adam into binge. The more I was like, you know what? Like, I think the three of us have something. And that's why I was really happy when, you know, we started this thing and Adam agreed to be the third because I think this would not work without the third being Adam Bunch. Adam, do you have anything to add? I mean, did I cover it?
2: <laughs> you did. I mean, it goes back long enough. Um, you know, I took for we, um, but took. I mean, so long that it took Garrett's little sister at trick or treat yes, when she we was did. a kid. You know, there's a story that that Garrett's mom likes to tell because I was Phantom of the opera because the thing I did it something for the school. Um, so I had the setup, I had a mask that was custom fit to my face and everything else, and you know, love and theater and and what little girls wants to be Christine when <laughs> Garrett's sister did. That was awesome. Um, it was just you know beautiful and lovely. But I mean, we I mean we liked the same bands. We discovered garbage together. We did as far as I'm yes. concerned. We bought Vault Vault magazine, which had like a three three song demo, mm-hmm. like they came free with the magazine on a CD, and we played those three songs nonstop. Mm-hmm. We were in the backyard swimming in the pool, so it just—I mean—it goes back a long, long way. I mean, Kara was in football; we'd be hitting the gym together. Mm-hmm. You know, got went to Gold not because I was in football, but because I was a trashy guy that picked up art. Um, you know, uh, (laughs) chicks. So it was just, you know, but we go, we go back a long way. We, you know, split up for a long time and it was great to be back together. Um, it's, it's amazing to go, you know, so many decades later we're sitting around and we're discussing movies still. It's crazy. We're doing
3: the exact same thing we did back in high school together. And, yeah, you, and I and, and
2: absolutely love I,
3: it. I love it as well. And the thing I've been most thankful for too is the third member of our friendship. Uh, I was separated from him for a long time too, and it was because of Jen, who reached out to him and said, uh, "Garrett talks about you. Garrett wants you guys to be friends again because we had a pretty bad falling out, and we uh, we reconnected as well, and we're best of friends again. You know, we text hmm. each other Merry Christmas this year, and uh, you know, and we're going we'll to probably go over to his place when. Eventually, we're going to have to go to a Raider game in Vegas, which is where he lives. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, there are, there are um, the, the third member of our friendship is back as well. And uh, it, just, it just feels really good to uh, be, you know, that, to have this thing that me and Adam have always had since high school. And I think that comes out in our podcast. I think the fact that we have been friends that long, it's, uh, the chemistry between us is definitely unmistakable.
2: Now, when it comes to Matt, I read Matt before I ever knew Matt. Um, in fact, I think the first time—I think the first message or anything I sent to Matt was just a, "Hey, man, I read this article," and then Kevin Smith talked about an article that you wrote on his podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, you're Matt for the young ones, right? <laughs> um, so it goes all the way back to there, and it was—it was Garrett. You know, I was like. Dude, phonetically tell me how I got to say this name for the intro, please. <laughs>
3: You've done that to me a few times, you know. Poor you and because. Matt Canary.
1: <laughs>
3: yeah, and as far as Matt goes, like me and Matt, and I think we spoke about this um, before, but me and Matt had a film discussion group together, and Matt was a college kid. I was a college adult. So we both knew more than everybody else pretty much is how it went. At least we thought we did. I was saying that facetiously. And no matter what, for some reason, me and Matt would find ways to argue with each other. (laughs) But Matt would also advertise his, his writing and things, and I would read his writing. And I really enjoyed his writing. And there was a time when I was at the Adventure Amigos, I go to Dave, I said, Dave, you need to bring this guy on because I think he would write good articles for us. And And uh, Dave Main said, yeah, let's bring him on. And so he came on to Adventure Amigos and he was writing for us. And eventually when I went to binge, I mean, we've told the story, but I brought him on for an interview show, one of my normal uh, director's chair podcasts. And then I realized... After the Terminator shows, I'm like, I think I have chemistry with this guy. And eventually, we became more than just podcast partners. We became friends. And that led on to um, us actually having a chemistry as well. And when we went to binge, we would bring, you know, Jack and Alex and Law and all of them on. And I think that the common denominator was always me and Matt. And so um, I think the fact that I found the person who would actually be the podcast partner I would be podcast partners with forever is something that I, I really cherish. And I always enjoyed the fact that me and Matt, we, I, I, this list proves this last list. We just did proves we don't agree on fucking anything, but what we do agree on is we both love film. And I think that really comes through in our podcast.
0: Yeah. For the record, Garrett got me in the divorce. Yeah. <laughs> <on stage. laughs> <laughs> I'm like the kid who has to decide, do I go with mom, do I go with dad? I don't I don't know what to do anymore. <laughs> but I don't I don't have much more to add outside of just the Garrett and I have hung out numerous times. I have not yet met Adam in person, but we're and trying to make that happen. We're trying to make that happen soon. Yeah. Um so so yeah, needless to say, despite all the fighting and the you know, the barbs and stuff, it's 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 a close dynamic um, oh yeah, I know, mean, when I was
3: going through one of the most traumatic experiences of my life, the, one of the first people I turned to not only was Adam, but was at Matt as well. Like Matt has been there for some pretty bad things going on in my life, and also they've been there for some pretty good things, which is going on right now. So it's just it's just one of those things where we have that dynamic, and it's never going to go away. But at the same time, we're always going to bust each other's balls because that's what we do. <laughs> and yeah, I haven't and, met and, Christian, and yeah. we haven't met Jen, but we're trying to make that happen as well.
0: Yeah, and you know Garrett's going to be babysitting eventually. That's going to be uh, <laughs> <laughs> you'll, you'll be you'll be our you'll be our Uncle Buck. The <laughs>
3: Come on, don't we have like twenty nine more questions to go? <laughs> Let's
1: move on. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, well, some kidding.
0: of these are, some of these are pretty quick. Uh, so, someone asked: Is perfectly Media a full time thing, or hopefully something that you all can make full time? Likeliest of answers is no, just because of our of our schedules for one thing, our personal mm-hmm. lives, and as much as I would love to devote my life to podcasting, it's just not, you know, it's not a realistic thing, unfortunately. <laughs> no. Yeah,
2: it, it would be amazing. I know what one or two movie sites specifically make on their, uh, on their rolling donations every month, but that is not us. <laughs> um, yeah. If I could get paid to sit and talk about movies, I would absolutely love to, but it's, you know what? We like doing it. We have fun. Um, if we could make enough to cover scoring um, our podcast one day, that'd be great, you know, but for right now we do it cause we love it.
3: And that's part of the reason why I wanted to bring Nate on as well, because Nate's one of the behind the scenes guys of us and he helps with the site. He helps post our, our podcast. Um, I tell you what though, I mean, it is a full-time thing for me because you can ask Jen, I get home yeah. from my full-time job. What am I doing? I'm editing our podcasts. You know, I'm putting the intros together I'm putting mm-hmm. the outros together. And uh, on my weekends, you know, Jen goes to bed, I'm up editing for a set of hours, you know. It, it, so it is kind of full-time, but at the same time, it is something I love doing. Um, I worked in the business for six years. I had enough fun doing that. But this is my way to keep my feet in that in those waters. And I love talking about film. I love um, just podcasting about it. And I love being able to put these shows together the way I do it. And I love editing them just because, you know, it's our own thing. It's the thing that we, we do together. And it, when I edit these together, it's one of those things that it's it's my baby pretty much. And I, I love, love, love putting the shows together. I love putting the bloopers together because I think those are some of our best parts of our shows. And uh it's something I definitely take deep pride in. And yeah, we're going to have a show every Friday. And once we start Patreon, which we might talk about, um it's one of those things that, it's it's uh it's our baby and the most consistent thing we can say is we will at least we will have at least one show out every friday just you know just to make sure that it's out there and you know it's it's our own thing
0: so speaking of the show of shows now we're going to cast the percolated media biotech oh my god cuz someone asked who would play you in the percolated media biopic, and it said you all have to cast each other not yourselves so i could not cast me uh, but i did cast the other two gentlemen and One is an actor, the other is an actor who is dubbed by somebody else. So... (laughs) I have... uh, (laughs) I I thought about this really hard. I I wanted to come off... So Adam I have as Edward Norton dubbed by Keith David.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I I will take that and love it.
0: (laughs) So, Garrett, because I met you in person, uh... And have seen your stature. I went with Vincent D'Onofrio. Oh, All right.
3: As long as we're not talking about Full Metal Jacket D'Onofrio. We're talking, you know, later D'Onofrio, right? Yeah, like Daredevil D'Onofrio, okay. All right, I can go
0: with that. I mean, I saw you carrying your luggage, and you almost took your uh, Uber driver's head off at of a car door.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I went with Bale for Goudreau. Because I think Goudreau has that anger in him that Bale always personified in that ridiculous clip from Terminator 4. And I went with Kurt Russell for Adam because, I mean, Adam's just – he's one of these really happy-go-lucky guys that people want to be around. And if you see Kurt Russell in interviews and things, he seems like one of those kinds of guys for me. So, And plus, Kurt Russell's a big family man. So, yeah, those are the two I went with. <laughs>
2: Alright, and me, I went for I I went for current day, Ethan Suplee for Garrett. <laughs>
0: That's a good one. Oh. Wow.
2: And as, if nobody has seen what current Jack Ethan Suppley looks like, look at him now. The dude is, yeah. talk about a change. Um and then I went with for good reason, Jake Gyllenhaal for Matt.
3: There you go. <laughs>
2: <laughs> because one way one, one of them is inside the other. <laughs>
0: Uh, I almost did a spit take on camera. <laughs> and that's just... The only just, time uh, you
2: spit
0: <laughs> Yeah, n- normally, it's, normally it stays down. Um, but, but speaking of staying down, next question is kind of tied into, you know, the site. Uh, asking about our plans for a Patreon. That is very much in the yes. works. It's not something that we're joking about offhandedly. We're just trying to figure out, A, we want to do it on the one-year anniversary, so it'll probably be around March, April... And what specific content are we going to do? Because really the purpose of a Patreon is to complement your existing material.
3: Yeah, that, and that's yeah. basically my beat on it is I we are going to have a Patreon. And my whole vision of it is not necessarily putting brand new content on there, but content that – enhances what we already have on the main site. So if people want to dig even deeper than what we do on the main show, they can go into Patreon, and there are we're going to have plenty of things on there. It's it's definitely in the works. Me me and the two boys, we're we're brainstorming things. I don't want to say exactly what we're brainstorming, but there are things in the works of getting a Patreon going that I'm excited for because it's going to make our show even better in the long run, which is what my goal is for it. Adam, anything that –
2: uh, no, I think you said it exactly right. We want to make it a the, the right thing, the right compliment, um, and something where you don't feel ripped off. You know, I, it, I, I get so many people asking me to subscribe to Substack for a higher value than it costs me for fucking HBO Max. No, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so we want to get you good value for what you're doing. That's a great point as well.
0: What is something you each bring from Binge or other places that helps you make better content here? Uh, so I'll leave this one off, and I think coming from a writer's background and actually having writer writer's credentials for a considerable period, I think has helped me be a better podcaster because I've learned how to turn my writer brain off and not make it sound like I'm just reading off a piece of paper like I felt like I was doing back when Garrett and I first started this, where my notes were like you know the appendix of Lord of the Rings, where it's all detail Uh, things like that i think i've learned how to be a lot more spontaneous off the cuff while still being somewhat intellectual in how i talk about movies because i also don't want to make it sound like i'm talking above people's heads says the guy who has beavis and butthead in his top five
3: (laughs) yeah i i will definitely go with that i uh, you know when Dave brought me on to Adventure Amigos and said, "Hey, you could do whatever show you want," I was like, "Let's let's interview you know let's interview people in the business," which we did, which I did for a while, and that was great. But I think the um, idea of doing your own thing, which is what I eventually evolved this show into, when we when I was at Binge, is has really enhanced it. And I bring those experiences uh, with me, and plus, I bring the experience of living in Hollywood and working in Hollywood and working for a big, big major studio, you know, and I think that really enhances this show in a way that you don't get from too many shows. I mean, I was talking with Lonnie Diane Rich, which is, is probably posted by the time this gets posted, but I was talking with her about just, you know, how many podcasts there are out there. There are hundreds and hundreds of podcasts out there, maybe thousands, and there are so many movie-related podcasts, and the way I choose to make it un- this one unique is... Not only the dynamic, which I've spoken about with me and Adam and me and Matt and me, Adam, and Matt, but also from our three different experiences of being in the business or out of the business. And I think what that experience has brought to this podcast, and I, I know because I've edited these shows and I've listened to them hundreds and hundreds of times just getting them right, is uh, is something I think is unique to um, to podcasting in general. So. Uh, I think our experiences and trials and tribulations of past experiences have definitely helped this podcast a lot.
2: Yeah, for me, it's, it's, it's just trying to bring, you know, I don't know, a, a, I don't want to say a normal guy perspective because that sounds as arrogant as, as anything else. But I'm the guy that's going to be out there putting Clerk 3 on a list and <laughs> getting yelled at and defending um, Armageddon at the end of the day, you know. So Oof. I'm not going <laughs> to. Yes, it. Damn right. Um, (laughs) I'm going to, you know, kind of keep it simple. I'm going to enjoy what I like. I'm not going to enjoy what I don't, Um, but have a variety of tastes. And I think I bring the strange surprises that people may not expect, Pearl. Um, When, you know, I think there's actors and types of movies that, especially as we get down the road of this, people are going to go, what the hell? Where did Adam pull that out of? Um, and I think that's what some, some of what's going to come through.
3: And I think what I also want to bring, too, is those guys over at Binge, they were, I'll say it again, we're still friends. You know, I, I have great relationships with those guys. Uh, Jack even sent me, send us a Christmas card this year again. But I don't want to have a kind of a tier uh, formula when it comes to how this site is run. You know, if we have ideas, we're going to bring it to the other two, not necessarily we're not going to have somebody on top giving the final word. And I think that's one thing where I I don't want this just to be a one-man thing. I want this to be a three-man thing. Um, and I want to make it, make it so that the three of us are contributing equal things, which I think we've done a pretty good job of. Uh, so mm-hmm. that's another thing I th- want to bring from past experiences. And Dave, again, Dave is still a great friend of mine, but there was a point of time there oh, yeah. where – uh, Adam I think you and I both just kind of were like what the fuck is he thinking you know I don't I don't want that to be a part of this side I want the
0: three of us to have equal say yeah. well speaking of things being equal since I have a show talking about the Jets and Garrett will have a show talking about baseball yeah. does Adam have any plans to do a show of his own that's a great question actually. no uh. what'd you say I'm sorry
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Actually, I
2: could do a shark show, not going to. Um, yes, I would like to get to the point where I'm doing a semi-regular show, or a regular show, just not sure what type of schedule. Um, and for me, it would, it would be based around comics, printed, uh, obviously, movies and such we talk about on our feed. Um it's something I did before. I don't know exactly what type of format and I, I want to know that I could commit to a schedule and have some type of normalcy uh, to it for any of you that, that would be interested in it. So absolutely do. Um, I have a comics page, you know, that I, that I run that nobody else touches because I've wanted, um, based on previous experience, I've just, I've not wanted anything missing or taken away from me. Um, knowing here, you know, feeling secure that that you know, isn't the type of thing that could happen. Uh, I'd like to do it again. I'm just not there yet. But yes, um, would would be a huge fan of you know doing a comics based, printed comics based uh, show here. Hopefully, in the not too far future.
0: So the short answer is stick around. It'll probably be coming around very soon. So speaking of comic books, Garrett doesn't get to answer this question. Apparently, because <laughs> uh, they're like, oh. I think Logan or or Batch sent this and they know Garrett doesn't read comics like we, like, like us, us two normal people. Uh, so they did a show, uh, our buddies, Logan and Batch, who, you know, Garrett, we've had on the show back when we were at Binge, um, asked Garrett and I, or Adam and I, who do we consider to be Spider-Man's number one villain? Because they did a top 10 on their show, Web Tales. Uh, I'm curious. I'm going to let Adam go first because I think we have different. A- I think we have different answers.
2: Yep, and I'm going to do it two different ways. So in in comics, I think his his number one villain is and probably always will be Green Goblin, uh, specifically uh, Osborn. However, I think across all the movies that we've seen, uh, Sony MCU. I think the Mysterio we saw in Far From Home has been the best bit one that we've gotten.
0: Uh, Oh, sorry, you mentioned Jake. I dozed off for a sec. Uh,
2: I know the blood shifted.
0: Yeah, so so I got a little lightheaded, at least in one area. Um, My answer is different. Uh, But for both answers, I think it's the same. I'm in the Doc Ock camp, and here's why. Uh, I, I think it comes down to a, a quantity versus quality argument. Dog has an advantage in that he wasn't canonically dead for 20 years. Because um, you don't forget, Norman Osborn was killed off in the early to mid-70s after the whole Gwen Stacy thing, and wasn't resurrected until, what, the mid-90s? Um, and everything they've done with him since, outside of him becoming the director of S.H.I.E.L.D., which I, I like that a lot, the whole uh, Dark Avengers, I thought that was great, but between... Him being the archetype of the Clone Saga, they retconned that he raped Gwen Stacy, uh, they bonded him with the Carnage symbiote, just a lot of stuff that I, I have not cared for. Whereas Doc Ock, I think, he's a more obvious flip of Peter Parker, you know, as far as comparing and contrasting, but the, the combination of being the leader of the Sinister Six, the Master Planner, uh, marrying Aunt May, Um and recently Superior Spider Man. Yep. Where Garrett, this is gonna get really nerdy. Uh he probably fell asleep. That (laughs) Doc Ock takes over Peter Parker's body because he dies. Um and he says, like his goal is like, I'm gonna be a better Spider Man than Peter Parker. But he realizes that Peter's like makeup is ultimately what separates the two. Whereas Doc Ock is the He's able to build up Parker Industries because he's capable of being just that cold-hearted businessman that Peter just can't physically be because it's not in his in his character. Um, so, so I think that is what put him over the edge for me. And as far as the movies, Alfred Molina will always be, his Doc Ock will always be my favorite Spider-Man villain um, uh, until he's surpassed. Um, which, which could very well happen. I mean, Spider-Man's got a great villain collection, but I think Green Goblin and Doc Arc are the only two you can argue as being number one, unless you qualify Kingpin as a Spider-Man villain. Um, right. But which, I always put which,
2: which was right there for me, yeah, because I do.
0: Yeah, I, I tend to lean more towards Daredevil, um, just because I think him and Matt Burdock are more interesting as hero and villain than Spider-Man and. Uh, can't then. so uh yeah to answer the question we have two separate answers and they're the, the obvious two uh and garrett would probably say jack kirby is the biggest spider-man villain <laughs> does
3: uh does wolf guy count or wolf man uh man, oh, man, man Wolf. man wolf yeah
4: man wolf.
3: <laughs> that was the one that got me as a kid. That- no, I I have no say in this matter because I stopped reading Spider-Man comics in the mid '90s. So,
0: <laughs> well, that was that was during the the, the nadir of Spider-Man. <laughs> uh, you say the words "clone saga" to anyone there. There's two people, two kinds of fans. You say clones to, and they panic,
1: they
0: develop PTSD. Star Wars fans <laughs> and Spider-Man
1: fans,
0: but. You know, I mentioned Jack Kirby and you know Stan Lee. This kind of ties into our next question: What five entertainers do you feel have had the biggest impact? This is a great one. I
3: thought long and hard about this one.
0: Long and hard. We're still talking about Jake <laughs> Gyllenhaal. <laughs> Adam, you want to go?
2: No, you thought long and hard. Oh, and you go ahead and go, 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 sir. I got
0: to go, huh? You know, we, I, we talked during that last one, so we're going to give the board. <laughs> All goals. right, my.
3: Number one is going to come as no surprise to anybody. Um, I've already spoken about him uh, earlier in this show. I've had like six rum and cokes, guys, so I'm probably a
1: little little
3: on the uh, edge here. Um, But uh, Steven Spielberg is definitely my number one, just as somebody who shaped my childhood, shaped my love of film. Uh, He is definitely a uh, somebody who I just look up to as a hero and as somebody whose films have really touched me in so many ways I just I I love 80 Spielberg but I you know there are things in the 2000s that we'll eventually talk about that I really enjoy as well so Steven Spielberg's one um I would say Harrison Ford is another just because he had two of the biggest roles in the history of film pretty much uh, Han Solo and Indiana Jones you can't really beat that one two punch and so he definitely shaped me as well Uh, I would say Marilyn Manson as well he was somebody who in high school he just kind of came out and I was like what the fuck is this guy but the more I kind of dug into him the more I was like man there's something very unique about this guy in that he's very intelligent yet very creepy Um, and I, I just enjoy everything you know, I, I, look—he's been canceled the last couple of years for good reason. If you look into some things that have come out about him, but as somebody who's just kind of taught me to be unique, I would definitely put him up there as well. Um, and that would go with Lady Gaga too. I, I she is somebody whose music I have really enjoyed over the years, and she is somebody who, every time I, I read an interview with her, I just fall in love with her more and more. I just think the woman as an entertainer is just an, an amazing, amazing talent. And I would put John Carpenter up there because without him, you know, we wouldn't have Michael Myers. We wouldn't have uh, probably some more things that we'll eventually talk about. Uh, I I think as somebody who kind of came up, again, he was a student filmmaker. He eventually got to the big time. And uh, he's kind of lived on residuals for the last 10, 15, 20 years. But as a filmmaker, as somebody who kind of grew to do his own thing, uh, he is somebody who I would definitely look up to as, um, as a filmmaker that has sh- paved his own way, not to mention he put out some pretty killer soundtracks as
2: well. All right. Um, I'll go through mine. i will go, go through them. I'll go through them. to go quick here. Um, I got Tom Cruise on my list. He, you know what? He was the movies that I watched when I was a kid growing up and he's in the movies that I'm watching now. Um, Top Gun and Mission Impossible. And um, Eyes Wide Shut was on the other day. Guess what? I'm that guy that watched it in theaters and watching it now. So to still have a force decades later, um, (laughs) Tom Cruise has been there. Uh, George Carlin. um, I will still watch his HBO specials. The documentary that just got put out is absolutely amazing. That sardonic wit that I'm against everybody is something that I absolutely adore. If he was out now doing specials, he would be hated by everybody, and that is why I fucking love George Carlin. Um, Can't believe Garrett mentioned him, too, because I did Harrison Ford for kind of the reasons that's on there for Cruise. We're going to discuss Harrison Ford um, coming up, and I can't wait to do so. And then I also went into music. Um, Both of them are bands, though, not individual artists, but bands. First one that I got on there is Pink Floyd. I saw them live in concert at 15 years old.
3: I remember when you went to that show. And
2: (laughs) if you can imagine what seeing Pink Floyd live at 15 does as a way to completely just influence your thoughts on music, holy crap. Um, Then the other band that was a giant influence on me. I want to guess Dream Theater. Dream
3: Theater. Or Queensryche.
2: (laughs) One of the two. (laughs) It is Queensryche. My very first tattoo. My very first tattoo is that triarch mm-hmm. symbol uh, for that band on my shoulder. Um, listen to them then. They broke up because you know lead singer pulls a knife on you on stage. Uh, yeah. <laughs> listen to them now. Uh, but that band has always been in my playlist, um, in my car, in my iPod now. And there we go.
0: So it sounds like we all took similar avenues, but arrived at different destinations so i'll I'll throw out my five uh first one is jim henson nice a combination a combination of you, you know sesame street and the muppets i think are two staples uh, of me especially the muppets being as old as they are and to always seems like there's always a place for them mm-hmm. no matter the period no matter the 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 occasion, you know, they can be very funny, but they can also be very sweet. Um, I think they adapt very well. And Jim Henson, obviously, as a a creator, uh, both with his hands and with his mind, was someone that I've always greatly admired, right down to his uh, Wilkins Coffee commercials, if you've ever seen those, uh, where they're straight. It's basically the precursor to the Muppets, but mixed with itchy and scratchy. (laughs) Uh, speaking of Jim Henson, someone that's tied into him and musician, I pick David Bowie. Um, sort of like, Garrett, what you were talking about with Marilyn Manson and Lady Gaga, where it's the learning about creative expression and, and being your own person uh, and not being afraid to stand out uh, is why I put David Bowie. Um, number three, you know, I wanted to put J.K. Rowling, but she said so much shit yeah. recently. That I picked Daniel Radcliffe instead. Oh, nice. Because uh, I, I don't know if there, I don't know if there's a character I've responded more to or grown up with in the way that I have with Harry Potter, and you know he is the actor who brought that character to life at such a young age. Um, so what we've lost in the author, I think the actors have you know picked up the slack. Um, in one estimation or another, uh, number four, Bruce Tim. Uh, for all the, you, you know, the pantheon of DC animation. Uh, that's why I, I love that universe. That's what got me into comics in a lot of ways. Um, so yeah, big debt to Bruce Teeny. uh, Bruce Tim, excuse me. Uh, I've also been drinking, uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> and Paul uh, my, Dini, it worked, it worked. I knew where you were going. <laughs> yeah, uh, Bruce yeah uh, I mean, he, he's sort of, you know, 5A and 5B, um, th- the, the two of them. And then my last one is, uh, you know, writing is entertainment. Uh, so I put Roger Ebert oh, as yeah. number five. I don't think definitely. there's
3: a definitely.
0: I don't think there's a film critic alive, or a film fan, or enthusiast, or just moviegoer who doesn't know about Roger Ebert. Or you give the thumbs up motion. People know what that means when you're talking about movies. Uh, I, I was I like Gene Swiss a lot too. Uh, he he died way too soon, but um, when you take into account the the health things that Roger persevered through and still was, he was always genuine. He was always who he was. Always who he, was. He, he didn't change or compromise despite what happened to him. Um, so, so yeah, th- th- those are my five. Great question. Uh, yeah, yeah. Speaking of the Muppet show, uh, someone asked if we'll ever cover TV shows like movies.
3: There's one for Sure. I want to do, and I think it would be something that could tie in with our Patreon very well if we mm-hmm. ever cover David Lynch, and if anyone knows TV and David Lynch, I think people know what I'm talking about, Ooh. but definitely Twin Peaks is one I want to cover, I've been trying to convince Adam to do Smallville for God knows how long, uh, <laughs> maybe eventually... 20 years, you're trying to get me to watch <laughs> yeah. it. That, that, you're not wrong, <laughs> um, maybe eventually we'll get to that, but... It. somebody save me. <laughs> It is something that is that we've talked about. We've we've talked about doing TV shows. But with all the movies we do and with everything else that we have going on in our lives, it would be really tough. Adam and or Matt and I have been trying to do this goddamn wrestling show for a fucking year plus now and we can we still can't get that together. So, with TV, TV is definitely something we want to discuss, but goddamn, I I, I fathom to think exactly when the hell we could actually do it.
2: And there's yeah. a lot. I mean, you got to think it for every season, sorry. Uh um, no. especially when you go when you go back into like the 90s and 2000s, those are 22, 24, 26 episodes.
3: Yeah, yeah, that's like, tr- yeah, you're that's right.
2: A, that's a lot of a show. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, is it something you skipped? You just try to do like 20 minute recaps. Um, it's it's tough. You know, I would love to do an entire show going over the entire X Men animated series. And when I was breaking it down, I was like, man, I guess you could discuss each story arc. So th- there's a lot of structure ways to do it, and realizing that's a lot of volume.
0: Yeah, I think quantity and selectiveness are the two issues that you run into with television because it's it's one thing to sit through a ninety minute movie that you know is more than likely going to be crap. Uh, see eighty percent of our horror movies that we've done. Again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and,
3: and not to mention but a lot that, of these night shift movies that we have coming up.
0: <laughs> yeah, like you know we're we're going through the ringer as it is. So you know if there's something that we all can agree on, um or something that really tickles our fancy, I'm sure it'll come to fruition, but I think that'll be an ever-evolving situation. Garrett, you know, we talked about shows. You and I have been doing this forever, uh, and with Adam almost just as long. So what do each of us feel is our best or personal favorite uh, retro that we've done? I saw this question
3: earlier, and I was going through everything we've done from binge on. And I got to say, I love the stream series we did with law. And mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. of the things I was really, I shouldn't say sad about, but one of the things I was kind of disappointed in, and we've always said, and this kind of goes back to the things from binge that you would like to, you know, that you think could enhance what you guys do now. And I, I think I, I tried, I reached out to law. I was like, look, man, we well, there's a new stream movie coming out. Can, would you be willing to come back come on and do it and he said you know what there's just so much going on in my life right now and he didn't get he didn't turn us down he was just like i don't know if i could actually find the time to do it and not to mention if you guys do it then i don't know what my fat canadian ass could add to it bald canadian ass something like that something to that nature very law jim law like a yeah, law answer yeah. yeah it was a very jim law answer and you know what and I, I I was really sad that he didn't do that, but there's another Scream coming out, as we saw a couple of weeks ago with a trailer, so who knows if that'll happen, but I think our Scream series is phenomenal, but I, I gotta say, and I've said it before, but our Harry Potter series that we did at Binge is probably still top-notch with me, just because I think the dynamic we had was perfect for that, where we had one very big fan, one kind of big fan, and one who had never seen it before, and those are the Perfect dynamics, I think, when it comes to these series. So, yeah, those would be the two I hold in the highest estate. And plus, I think the Nolan series we did with uh, with Jack is still very high up there. And, uh, yes, Jack is coming back to do Oppenheimer with us when that movie eventually comes out this year. Uh, I think that is one of our most underrated. And just just because we did it in the midst of a pandemic and it was just the perfect distraction for the th- for the three of us, um, I think that series is uh, one of our top notch as well.
0: Wow, he used Christopher Nolan and underrated in the same <laughs> sense <sentence. laughs> Those words very seldom go together. You took my answer of Harry Potter, but I'll I'll go to James Bond because yeah. for, for two reasons. number one, it showed that if we can do a series that long, there's nothing we can't do. and I think, our, our dynamic was consistent throughout. And what I mean by that is there were never episodes that I felt like were just obligatory entries that we had to do. I think each movie we found something to really talk about or, or dissect. And we were always all over the map with our opinions, which I think makes for the best kind of, yeah. uh, of reviews. I mean, if you look at some of our scores on particular shows, I know cause I've done that in the past cause we never did an official ranking. Uh, our scores were all over the place. Like there were, Maybe a handful of movies, and I don't think you need all of your fingers to count where we shared the same, if not the same opinion, then the same score. So I'll say Bond is a maybe our biggest achievement as far as what we've done. Adam, what about you,
1: sir?
2: And I was going, I was going through this of ones that I wasn't on. I think you guys did a phenomenal job with the Nolan movies. Um, I thought that was a great retrospective, uh, especially somebody who's a fan. So sitting back and listening to those was great. Uh, and then I also really enjoyed the um um the uh, 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 uh the god damn it sorry the dead movies that you did with mick
3: oh god yeah yeah
2: so i thought that i thought that was a lot of fun um but I came away with the two that you guys did as well I thought the Harry Potter franchise was uh, was fantastic, no pun intended there ah. um <laughs> And Bond. Like, I can't believe we got through those Bond movies the way we did. Survived. And then went on to do this venture that we're doing right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. Um, so, yeah, those two right there. uh, th- go- Going through the Hogwarts Express and-, and James Bond, I think, are just phenomenal. And for anybody that doesn't know what those are, please head on over to Vinge, check those out. Um, go to the Aftertaste tab, and every single... Bond movie. Official and unofficial. I was not. gonna say both official we and unofficial.
3: Just, yeah. yeah. Specifically yeah. go Oof. to the world is not enough and hear the music argument that went on throughout the course of that one. <laughs> now, if you,
0: Adam, if you want to hear the maddest I have ever gotten Adam during a discourse, listen to our Casino Royale nineteen sixty seven. Oh review, yeah. <laughs> where he was just so mad that he had he was mad that he had to watch it, and he was even madder that we had to sit there and talk about it. <laughs> Next question is: uh, What are each of your top five movies that everyone should watch at least once? Go to my letterboxed; they're all there. <laughs> uh, Garrett got a letterboxed. I got so I got my five, and I, I I came at this from a different angle. I didn't want to say you know the AFI top five because that's a cop out answer. Um, so I picked five movies that I think you need to watch if you want to learn about how old movies have shaped modern cinema. So I picked five movies, five different genres. Uh, a couple of these movies you might not have even heard of, but I think some of them are pretty well-common. First one, Stagecoach, 1939. Uh, that's really the movie that revolutionized the Western, as we know it in American cinema, where John Ford took 1930s B-movies and at the end of the decade uh, made something revolutionary and introduced John Wayne to the world. Um, it's got, you know, the ugly aspects of, you know, Native American depictions. Uh, but, you know, that's historically, you know, um, something that is just an unfortunate reality. But, uh, you know, the, the, the way characterization was done, uh, it established the Wild West as, you know, the, the stage for the American myth. Uh, so that's my first one. Uh, number two, Cat People. Wow. And it's the, Ooh. it's really the best example oh gosh, of, uh, really, I picked the 1942, the Fritz, uh, I think it's Fritz Lang, um, 1942 version where it's the movie that established the trope of what you don't see and what's inferred can be more terrifying than what you actually see. Uh, third one's Double Indemnity from 1944. Uh, every film noir trope you can think of stems from this movie. Uh, it, it is the, you know, femme fatale, uh, someone trying to kill their husband to collect money, um, you know, morality plays, hard-boiled narration, it's all there. Uh, number four, Seven Samurai. Oh yeah. Uh, it's the movie, it is the movie that all modern action movies mm-hmm. owe themselves to. Not as far as, um, you know, like blood and battle sequences, but showing how you, flash out your characters and give them something to fight for. It's really the biggest, sort of the biggest epic. It was, it's three and a half hours. It's it's a masterpiece of cinema. Uh, and everyone from Lucas to Spielberg has borrowed from it in some way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my last one is The Apartment uh, from 1960. Oh, nice. I picked this one. It's sort of the, I don't want to call it the archetype for what modern people think of as romantic comedies. But you got to remember, this was scandalous when it came out. Uh, 1960, the ideas of extramarital sex, uh, suicide. There was sort of a, it, it showed that comedy could be used to confront real life issues. And I don't think you can tell the history of American cinema without Billy Wilder and especially Jack Lemmon. Uh So those are the five I picked, you know, five different genres I think they're sort of the, a good roadmap if people are curious more about where do a lot of the things that I like come from. Um, And I didn't want to say The Godfather and Citizen King and and all the usual answers. Mm. Uh, And if I tell you 2001, uh, you won't be able to finish it because the movie's so fucking boring.
3: (laughs) (laughs) This is the one I've been looking forward to. Go ahead, Adam.
1: All
2: right, so the first one on my list 2001. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I swear to God! Wow. Um, I think of any, I think of anything. People should at least watch it. Um, and you know what? One of the first movies I remember being taken to in a theater was 2010. Thanks, Dad. You mix those up. Wow. <laughs> uh, oh God, that's funny. Um, second, Psycho. Um, I I don't know if there's a better movie to show the art of cinema. Oh, no, that's not fair. Um, but that era of of filmmaking, of that, just uh, everything about Psycho still works to me to this day, um, so many, so many decades later. Um, third one, and you wanted to talk about something that started a fight a long time ago, Phone Booth. Oh, God. Yeah. There is something I love about a real-time movie, and Phone Booth still absolutely captivates me in that way. It was well as just breaking through an actor, just big time. I'm going. I'm going a different way than that.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Um. Also on that list uh, for me, because if it, 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 to me this is just as as a kid, or when I had kids, I couldn't wait till a show to show mine this film. Um, not to knock something out for later, but Raiders of the Lost Ark. If if I I, I don't, I'm going to save anything for for. A discussion down the road, but Raiders of the Lost Ark. And then, one for me. This one's for me. The Fifth Element.
3: Oh, God.
2: <laughs> the, the perfect amalgamation <sighs> of effects, music, and crazy, not saying coped out, but, you know, I don't know. He was on something there. Um, but I... Fucking love the Fifth Element. To this day, that movie gets an annual watch.
3: there was a fight about that movie the day we saw it together. By the way, <laughs> maybe we'll have that fight on the air eventually.
0: <laughs> I'm glad that yeah. you, you can keep that
1: movie for yourself. Yeah. That's all. I'm saying.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Garrett's got his letterboxed. Uh, I think Raiders is on that list. It's number one. <laughs> yep. So. Uh Yeah, uh, so let's go to the opposite end. Are there any cult movies that you are huge fans of that a lot of people may not have heard of? And Adam, I have one that I know you're going to agree with me on. Mm-hmm. So people think of cult movies as the, the most common conception is they are just crap movies that people like for no particular reason. You know, stuff like The Room or Birdemic, or what people think of as cult classics, but I, I, I define it as something that for some reason people look at and are just infatuated by it, and recognize its brilliance in some way. And I have mine, and it's amazing this is a cult movie, because it starred Robin Williams, Edward Norton. and it was directed by Danny DeVito. I knew people. you were going to say this movie. Yes. I fucking
3: knew it. You've been talking about this movie since we started podcasting together.
0: Death to Smoochie. This is, I said, it is it was a movie that was destroyed at the time it came out. Like th- like Richard Roper has one of my favorite comments of all time where he said, uh, like, I'm convinced this like we should send this movie to Germany because I refuse to believe that this many talented people could make something this bad. Um <laughs> I think it is one of the great comedies of the last thirty years because it is it is unapologetically misanthropic. That's what I like about Danny DeVito's movies is that he makes movies about bad people and really doesn't go out of his way to redeem them in any way. Like, they go from being despicable to you can look at them without punching them in the face. And it's got... It's the movie that almost killed Edward Norton's career because he was, like, viewed as the next, you know, yeah. uh People vs. Larry Flint, Primal Fear, Fight Club. Like, he was... A serious actor. And you look at him in this movie in a pink uh, <laughs> rhino suit holding up dick-shaped cookies uh, and it, it's just... I mean, look, any movie that has Harvey Firestein as a mobster, I am so there for.
2: You know what? Our Patreon's going to be for movies. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> that, that may be a commentary. Ugh. <laughs> uh. All right, well, on mine, that I got something on there cult-wise, and this one, there was one name that got me out to see this movie. This movie is Repo, the genetic opera.
3: Oh, my God.
2: Now, that name was not Paris Hilton. (laughs) Thank God. But it was Sarah Brightman. As we talked about earlier, she was my Christine Daae from Phantom of the Opera here in San Francisco. And when I saw her in the marketing for this movie, I had to go out and see it, and I Gore, Repo, the Genetic Opera. we have been
3: talking about that movie uh, since it was out.
2: Damn skippy. And every year the DVD comes out, it gets played again um, based on the book that also got turned into Repo Man with Jude Law. Um, it's It's got music. It's got gore. It's a rock opera that is just fun the entire time. Anthony Head does a great job. Um, Ogre from Skinny Puppy is in it. It's just, it is silly fun. Uh, Darren Lynn Bellsman is the director and writer of it, and or I don't think he wrote it; he directed it. And it's just, if you haven't seen it and you enjoy horror and rock music, it is definitely worth a go.
0: I fucking knew you were gonna say that movie. <laughs> he called both of ours. Now let's see if he can call. We can call his. All right. Well,
3: one of my favorite directors is a very i shouldn't say underground director he, he's had things that have been watched but when he went into he tried doing a bigger budget movie that didn't really go as well as people were expecting it's a filmmaker by the name of jeff nichols and his, the movie i'm talking about is midnight special this movie came out in 2015 mm-hmm. it stars michael mm-hmm. shannon and it moves me to tears every single time which goes into a question from for later on but it is such a movie that goes for my heart because it hits a lot of the tropes that those Spielberg movies from the 80s hit. And it does it very well. And this movie came out, didn't really make that much money. And Nichols hasn't really, he went back underground after that. Um, And I think it's a shame because I think this is a movie that needs to be seen. And if I were to recommend anybody see a movie that would touch them in a very, very good way like those older, older Spielberg movies did I would recommend checking out Midnight Special so that's mine and I bet you guys didn't call that
0: fucking one no but that's a really good movie I'm glad you mm-hmm. I know it. but I
2: should have because um, yeah I remember you adoring <sighs> that movie and I still have yet to watch oh, it Yeah. you know what that makes me think You know, if you put that side by side with your adoration of Starman I think that's oh, something we said of those back great to, point.
0: Yeah.
2: you know of uh, an alien man alien son
0: well, well. Speaking of aliens, do do you guys have any absolute must-watch Christmas movies that have to do with aliens? <laughs> that have to do with aliens? No. Not
2: with the aliens per se. <laughs> um, a few that I that I got to watch every year. And it's it's you know. Well, we talked about one earlier this girls. year.
3: We talked about Batman Returns.
2: Batman Returns is the one that that gets put on when I start taking out my Christmas decorations. That kicks it off. Um. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation is a is a must. Period. Laura walks out of the room because she's sick of it at this point. And then she'll come back <laughs> in by the end. Don't care. I have my my um my mug that looks just like Wally Moose, and that's what I drink my eggnog out of. My kids got a kick out of that this year. Um, but then the one that it, if I could only choose one, it is A Muppets Christmas Carol. Period. And that's also the one that no matter what brings a tear to my eye, and it's fucking Muppets.
0: Matt, same? No, I have, I have two separate ones. Uh, one is Scrooged. I watch that every year. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And the other one is Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, because I it is always a shade black Christmas at my house in some capacity, um, and, and that is the one I, I find myself uh, going back to basically every year since it's come out.
2: I still see Scrooged every year. haven't seen Kiss Kiss Bang Bang,
0: though.
3: Wow, well, I, as I mentioned earlier in this podcast, I I will make Violent Night a very big tradition. Every year I will watch that one. Um, I'm not a Home Alone guy. Uh, I do watch Die Hard every year. That is a tradition as well. Uh, But Mm -hmm. there's another one called One Magic Christmas, which I watch it every year because it's one of the darkest fucking Christmas movies I've ever seen. (laughs) It's, it's, it was released by Disney in like the mid-80s, I believe. It's got Mary Steenburgen in it. And throughout the course of this movie, her husband dies just so that this woman can feel the spirit of Christmas again. And that, that that's what I'll say about it until somebody goes out Oof. and sees it. Uh, but that is definitely one that I I watch every year. Um, I watch Elf every year. I adore that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh I, I, I'm not too different. You know, when it comes to Christmas, it's just, it's just one of those holidays that I like to get into the magic of it. You know, I have certain listens as well that I do. I always listen to Christmas music. Um, it's just, it's just a magical holiday for me. And I do get in the spirit of it every year. Hmm.
0: Well, spirit kind of ties into the, the next question, which was movies that we watched as kids that impacted how we are now. Uh, my default answer is Harry Potter. I know I've I've talked about that numerous times, um, but outside of that, I picked uh, Disney's Beauty and the Beast. Oh wow! Uh, as my other one, uh, reason I picked that is because I think it is the when when I think of Disney animation and all the things that I think their best movies should have, it checks all the boxes. Music check. Uh, Likable protagonist, check. Romance I buy, albeit with Stockholm Syndrome, check. Uh Interesting villain, check. Uh Beautiful visuals, check. Uh, I think everything that makes Disney Disney is personified best in that movie. That's a
2: good one. You know, I was, um as a kid, I think I'm going to go with The Black Cauldron.
3: Oh, yeah, another one uh, to talk about. Again,
2: going with Disney. Yeah. And the big deal with that, to me, is I was reading those books as a kid, The Chronicles of Pride and... Uh, so I was excited to have a movie based on it, and the move For those that don't know, the movie basically combines the first two books. It, it was so, it was different. It was, it was obviously violent Disney's first PG animated movie. Um, and then, I mean, it just kicks back the love though to the books. I mean, I'll put it on now and I'll grab the books again and read them. Uh, uh, it's, it's just such a different type of of a movie as a kid that fueled my love for reading that then tied back into it. So it's just that perfect symbiotic relationship of, of media melding together, even though clearly it didn't work. I mean, it, you know, fired a lot of animators because of it. Um, Tim Burton got fired before the movie came out. Um, But yeah, the black culture just, it, it had some shaping in it for me and definitely, definitely mattered.
3: Can I replace one of the answers I had earlier with Stephen King? I want to replace Marilyn Manson with Stephen King. Can I do that?
1: Yeah, that makes sense, yeah.
3: I'm going to go ahead and do that. You said reading, and I was like, oh, my God, that was my entertainer that really personified me, which will come out in the course of a retrospective that's going to take 30 years. Uh, all right, getting back to the question at hand. Uh, E.T. for me. It was a movie that I experienced with my father. And we ended up taking my mother later on that day uh, because she was working at the time we went and saw it initially. And it's a movie that really personified what I feel when it comes to a movie that tugs at you, but at the same time just takes you on a journey. And I think Henry Thomas, is his performance in that movie is one of the most underrated performances ever put to film. I think he is so good in that and just the alienation that comes with being a boy trying to live without a father and having this creature come befriend you and be that father figure as well as a companion uh, just to get him through those early ad- adolescent years. Um, it's just, it's a movie that I saw. It really hit a spot with me as a child and I watch it every year and it, Again, this goes to the, the final question that we have here, but it, it makes me cry every time I watch it just because, you know, I don't think there is one person, not only boy, but one person who hasn't felt that alienation. And E.T., when I saw it and I still watch it, it, it just moves me to the point where I realize that it's, it's a movie that is, um, is very magical in my eyes and that really taught me the magic of movies. So, yeah, E.T. was the one that really, really uh, formed me as a child. And it's one that I always refuse to do a full, you know, full-on review of like we usually do with everything else just because I know if I dissect it, I'll find flaws in it. And it's just one of those movies I just want to experience. So, yeah, E.T. for me.
0: So let me just say I love that you used the word alienation when describing E.T. I did that on purpose. (laughs) Yeah. So I take ET e. holds up pretty well. Uh, so the question is, are there any movies that you watched again recently that aren't as good as you remember them being? The Goonies and the Monster Squad.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <was> yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I, I loved those as a Goonies, kid. Didn't agree. What's that? So I'll agree with you on Goonies. There.
3: Oh my God! I, I watched those as a kid, and I'm like, Oh my God! I love these movies, and I watched them as an adult. And I'm like, Jesus Christ! And this at, this is after I've I've just priced Spielberg this entire podcast, but I watched the Goonies now. I'm like, Will you guys? Pl- will you kids please shut the fuck up? <laughs> like, there's so much shouting in that movie, and the Monster Squad is one that I loved as a, as a as a uh, pre adolescent boy, and I watched it as an adult. I'm like, Oh my God! How stupid is this movie? So, <laughs> definitely those two.
2: You know what? I racked my brain all day, and I couldn't come with any that came to mind right away. But Goonies is a really good one. Um, Other than that, it was – I don't know how young I was, but Hellraiser 3.
1: Oh, (laughs) my God.
2: That that was so fun growing up, and I watched it recently when I was watching Hellraisers before the new one, and I was like, this thing's fucking unwatchable. (laughs)
0: Uh, So I have – I wrote down Little Monsters. Uh, if you don't know what this movie is, this is, uh, the Fred Savage, Savage, Howie Minto, yeah. <laughs> uh movie, which I loved as a kid because it, it was, it was juvenile, but it also had dark elements, like, especially when Frank Wally comes into the movie, uh, in the climax where his face gets ripped off. Um, but, oh my God, it, it is, I hesitate to call it unwatchable. Because I, I got some enjoyment out of it, but I was like, wow, this really, just obnoxious, and I felt old watching it, uh, which is funny, because the movie's older than I am. It's not like I, you know, quote-unquote grew up with this, but I watched it when I was like maybe eight or nine, quite a few times, and I watched it recently, because it was on one of the streaming channels. I'm like, oh, God, the, the comedy's just forced. Howie Mandel gets on my nerves. <laughs> uh, which I guess is common throughout all aspects of life when it comes to Howie Mandel. But the, yeah. And then the other one I wrote was uh, David Fincher's The Game. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, First time I saw that, I thought it was terrific. And then I watched it a second time, and I'm like, oh, my God, this the seams are stretched so thin you can almost see through them. Like, And and there's a point where the movie loses me. It's when he goes to Mexico. Mm Mm-hmm. And left there. I think everything up to that is great, especially when he goes back to his house and there's the clown. Yeah. Uh, in his house and there's the the mannequin that's laying in the same way that his father was when he jumped off the house. Uh, but but yeah, I, and of course the ending is just so so fucking bad. Like even David Fincher's like, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Fincher
3: himself downplays that movie. He he is not proud of that movie whatsoever.
0: It's got really good stuff in it, but I. I think as a whole, it's one of the ones where the first half is great and the second half is just crap.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. But speaking of crap or <laughs> st- stuff that stuff that might hold up, what are some current films that you think have the potential to be well remembered by younger generations or cult classics? So I picked movies within the last decade, and I picked three. Uh, uh, it wasn't
3: just this year. I thought it was uh, the question was for this year. No. Well, I
0: read current films as, like, current generation. Oh, okay.
3: I, I just put down for this year. But go
0: ahead. I put Mad Max Fury Road. I guarantee you 10 years from now, there are going to be, like, drive-ins where it's dress dress up your car. Yeah, that's a good point. Like that. Um, as far as classics, I think Pixar's Inside Out will be remembered as, as one of the great animated movies of all time because it, it's – The the premise is universal, and it's one of the the best movies that doesn't have a villain. Unless you're one of the people who thinks Joy is the villain, which I think there's some validity to that statement if you've seen the movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, And, you know, we talked about Jordan Peele. I do think Get Out will be one of those movies that is talked about in the same vein as something like Dawn of the Dead when it comes to making a statement. Um.
1: So, so those are my
0: three. The MCU, I sort of put as a whole, but that's really going to depend on either A, if it's still going 10 years from now, and B, what, when when the kids who grew up with these movies, when they grow up and they have kids, is the next generation going to respond to it as something that's already happened, not necessarily something you live through? Because mm-hmm. um, I think, like Harry Potter is an example. I think those movies... Those are going to live on, and they have been living on. If you look at Universal, if you look at HBO Max, yep. anytime it's on Freeform, it's still some of the most viewed television out there. Um, and it's not just my generation anymore. It's the one after me. So it, it can be done, but I'm curious how what the Marvel legacy is going to be.
2: Yeah, it's tough because when you look at those, some of my favorite ones that I enjoy watching over and over are the earlier ones. It's the original Iron Man. It's Winter Soldier. You know, it's not anything really from the last two phases unless we're talking certain sequences. So, yeah. For sure. So I came up with, with a couple of mine. We're not from this year either. So, sorry, Garrett. All right. Um, I did have Mad Max: Fury Road on my list. Um, I think that's something that's that's going to be talked about as the pinnacle and end of physical practical effects. Um, unless he does another one, that God, that movie still works, and it's such a simple premise. It's like the Raid, but instead of going vertically, you're going horizontal. Go from here to here. That's it. Um, I also had Interstellar on my list <laughs> I <laughs>
1: not in this
3: one either
2: <laughs> I don't think there's one that is aged better in Nolan's filmography than Interstellar so I'm not saying any have gotten bad I think that one keeps getting better for me every time I watch it I love being on that island
0: <laughs> that's right you've been there for the last few yeah years. you have <laughs> I think Garrett, Garrett and I took off in the rocket ship at left you Yeah, we
1: did. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you
0: let me go, Murph.
2: <laughs> and then I also put on my list Ex Machina. Oh yeah, I know it. I know it does have a cult following now, but I still think as time goes, people are going to look back on that and go, "Damn, that's such great storytelling." That is simple. It is three people in a house, you know, and who's who's the the android who's the robot because it makes you question the reality of you as you're watching that movie and fuck that thing is brilliant
1: Mm.
3: well as being the only one who read the question on this fucking podcast I will go ahead and say the current movies I think (laughs) Uh, I went with Violent Night I think that is one that is going to catch on I think people are going to watch that in future generations and think man that is like the perfect fucking uh, perfect companion piece to Die Hard if you watch that movie. So plus with the magic of Christmas being put in that, it's definitely going to get a pretty big cult following. And then I also put the invitation on. I think there are things in that movie that people will eventually throughout the years, like kind of like the Duke they'll watch it and they'll, they'll see some things and it's, it's going to catch on as one that will be um, one that is watched and is very underrated as far as what came out this year that people have seen. So those were the two I put. Can I? What is the invitation? Invitation came out on Netflix, and um, it's basically one where somebody takes a DNA test, and uh, she kind of discovers things about her family that she never knew about. And then once she gets deeply involved, it gets even darker than that. So it's it's one of those movies that it was kind of talked about, but not really. You know, I, I think my online community in the last five or six years has really shrunk uh but some of the people that i have kept on there have uh have really spoken highly of it and i myself watched it a couple weeks ago and i just i fell in love with it and i think it's one of those movies that will catch on as the years go on hmm. kind of like um I what did? was the one um that the same guy who did midsummer did um oh right. yeah kind
0: of like that one I think hereditary is definitely going to be one of the ones. Definitely, that, that, yeah,
3: and that's a great point too.
0: You know, and the way that you know people talk about the, there's certain movies where it's go in knowing nothing. I think that's going to be one of the ones that'll that will be the constant whenever people discuss hereditary. It's don't don't look up what happens. Mm-hmm. Because great I mean, point. Of it is dependent on shock value. Mm-hmm. So speaking of shocking, <laughs> uh, I love this question. How much? How much cheese or camp is too much in a movie? Adam?
1: Mr. <laughs> <Christopher laughs> <element>. Yeah. <laughs> Super green. I,
2: you know what? I think it has to do with the tone of the movie. Um, if a movie is designed to be campy and funny throughout, I don't think you can go too far. I, You know, for me, it's the Thor Ragnarok and Love and Thunder thing. I think one set the tone and kept it. I think the other one was balanced on tone. So I think that's how it is. But so much that I think has to do with mood. You know, there's times where I've walked out of a movie with my arms crossed and went, what a piece of crap, what the hell were they thinking? And then watched it later with a friend or just in a brighter mood and suddenly you're like, "Ah, oh, you know what? Now I get it. Now that that hits right. So I – you can go too far. But if the movie is designed to be cheesy – You know what, sometimes it's okay just to have just a stupid, silly, fun movie. Like I said, one of my favorite movies to make me laugh is frickin' South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. You know why? (laughs) Because it's the whole, you know, how would you like to suck my balls, Mr. Garrison? It will never fit to make me laugh. And I'm a fucking child. (laughs) I'm a 44-year-old man-child.
1: Hmm.
0: I... It's really a case-by-case basis. Yeah. I mean, you, have to, you have to judge the movie based on its intent. We talked about it this year, Batman and Robin. I think that is the prime example of what happens when you take camp too far into a direction where the entire movie becomes laughable, even when the movie is saying you should take these key excerpts seriously. On the opposite side, I think the right level of cheese, the example I always use is Punisher Warzone which is a, a, it is a splatterhouse horror movie masquerading as a superhero movie mm-hmm. where it is so goofy between the villains, between the kills. I mean, there, there's the scene I use all the time when he shoots the rocket across the sti- across the rooftop and it hits the guy. Uh, he punches a guy's f- his face and comes out the other side, but it's balanced because the Punisher is never played for camp as a character. He is played entirely straight. Um, so I think having that, that middle person or that straight man sometimes is a necessity when you're doing a movie that's camp. Can I, but,
3: can I say that one of, um, and it will never see the light of day again. Uh, unless Adam I, I'm i pretty sure Adam has a copy of it But one of my favorite interviews I've ever done Was with the director of that movie uh, Lexi Alexander
2: Oh yeah, Lexi I will look I think I still have that interview Oh my
3: god It's one of my favorite uh, interviews I've ever done Because she said she was getting pushback From all the, Marvel, uh, from all the studio heads About that movie With every single uh, things she did in it, but it's just—it's one of those things that oh God. I, just, I let me just say, I just can't wait to cover that movie once we eventually get to it in the Marvel verse. It's just—it's it's such a fun, fun, fun fucking movie that. Oh, I love that movie.
0: Yeah, and case in point, another one that I that I always talk about with with camp is look at something like Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh yeah, um, that 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 is a movie that is in, intentionally played as ludicrous and out there. But the movie is always aware of that. There's always a... There's a consistency in tone. Um, whereas, you know, the Batman 66, that's technically canon. Mm-hmm. Fucking Showgirls. Showgirls is definitely canon. That's one that's highly. Yeah. That one's hotly contested. Not just by straight men who watch it for obvious reasons. But the, the whole question of... If you do something without intentionally making it campy does it still qualify as camp something like the room which Mm -hmm. was made with utter sincerity but it was sincerity that was equaled by incompetence and you've got something uh so i think that's a great question you know if we ever did as a patreon show like camp classics you know i would throw out stuff like beyond the valley of the dolls um You know, a lot of Paul Verhoeven's movies are technically... Absolutely, they are.
3: But the the thing... John John Waters, yeah. The thing about Paul Verhoeven, though, Paul Verhoeven goes way over the top. And and I think that's something that... I I don't know if directors really know how to really walk the line the way Paul Verhoeven did uh, way back when. And you you haven't seen that really since. Um, And I, I think when it comes to camp, like... You know, not to give too many cards away, but I mean, I think Adam was pushed to the brink when we we just recorded uh, Maximum Overdrive. I think that was too much camp for him. I think there's just there's a there's a limit to what people can take as far as camp goes, and I, I, I not many directors know how to walk that line.
0: No, there, there's only a handful um, in the horror community. There there's always the question of camp. Yeah. Uh, you know, we talked about this with Nightmare on Elm Street mm-hmm. where those movies. Became progressively more of, uh, open mic night for Freddy Krueger. Mm-hmm. But speaking of Sam, we talked about Sam Raimi. There's a big jump in tone between Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness where, uh, Evil Dead 2 is very silly, but it's not pure slapstick like Army of Darkness is. And it's all based on what do you like. Um, so I don't think there's a hard rule or like, you know, if you're filling up a not, a thing of nachos, I don't think, There's a universal thing of, you know, turn the cheese pump off. It's entirely based on your taste.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: You know, I paused so some of you could go get nachos because now I'm freaking starving. (laughs) I'm also also a few drinks deep, so,
3: you know, my appetite's
0: starting Mm to up. Uh, We're almost there. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, What actor do you personally think has more range and potential but are more typecast or stuck in a very narrow role? like Jonah Hill has mentioned in the Wolf of Wall Street podcast.
1: Mm.
0: So I got mine. I got mine too. Uh, uh, I have two technically one, Seth Rogen. Um, Steve jobs was the example I used. Um, I thought he really held his own against Fassbender and those, those scenes where they are really going back, back and forth. Uh, and the other one's Gerard Butler. Uh, I hate. He must have student Loans or something, and that's why he picked so many <laughs> fucking terrible movies. He did have a run there of just play. terrible, terrible films. But, like, you know, I think he's, you know, he's obviously a very dedicated action star. I thought 300 was going to be, like, you know, take him to the, the stratosphere. Yep. Um, but, you know, I think he's, if you've ever seen Coriolanus, he did Shakespeare very well, um, which is amazing, because I didn't think he had it in him. Uh, I think his singing is terrible in Phantom of the Opera, uh, yeah. but I, I at least admire that he took a chance like that. Um, so, so those are my two. I, I think it's, you know, especially that of Butler's in his 50s, you know, there's only, the, the window is getting tighter and tighter for him to make a move. Mm-hmm. And Plane does not look like it. <laughs> but, but you know what? I saw the trailer. I'm like, fuck! I want to go see that garbage. Fuck, that looks fun. <laughs> it looks like it fun looks trash. so terrible.
3: <laughs> it's really, really bad. Uh, well, all right. I'll say the one. The one on my list is Michael B. Jordan. Um, mm-hmm. we're gonna see him later on this year, and we're de- we're gonna be covering Rocky in the future. Uh, I I, but I think he is somebody who can go past being Apollo Creed's son, and uh, being in Black Panther. I think there there are way more places he can go.
2: So what I had, the first one that came to mind, and it's amazing, I think it's the third time I brought him up, is Tom Cruise. But the reason is, when you look at something like Born on the Fourth of July, which unabashedly deserved an Oscar, and for me specifically, Vanilla Sky.
3: Boy, are um, we going to fucking fight. Oh my God, if we ever do those two movies, both of those (laughs) movies, we're going
2: to fight.
0: Yeah, uh, for the record, Vanilla Sky is in like my 20 most hated movies. I despise it so much.
2: (laughs) So the great Vanilla Sky (laughs) puts on an amazing performance, especially when he's got a mask on. So Cruz has the ability to really do some amazing acting. Now, at this point, he's a stuff man, you know, and and I admire that. Um, I also had. um, Zoe Saldana.
3: Oh, good. Now,
2: especially being stuck in genre. So, she did a movie a while ago, uh, Columbiana. And yes, it's an action movie, but it, it changes enough that you can really see that she's got more to offer. Uh, she's got a little more emotion in that. And I understand a lot of the conversation that's been out recently of her feeling like she's been, you know, pigeonholed in green screen for the last decade, because she has. Um, But I think she's an amazing, talented actress that could bring so much more than what she's being stuck in.
0: I I do have an actress. I picked Melissa McCarthy. I was going to go with her,
3: too.
0: I want her to do more stuff like Can You Ever Forgive Me and St. Vincent, where she's not just a bumbling fool. I just, you know, I think she's very talented. And, you know, some of her stuff has been very funny. You know, we talked about this on Ghostbusters. Not necessarily that movie, but some of the stuff she did before that. Um, you know, and I think it's harder for women. Absolutely. Yep. Um, yeah. Especially women who are not, you know, your Jennifer Aniston's or your Angela Jolies, where they're getting roles largely based on how they look.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Um, or it's all about who you know. But speaking about how you look, uh, are there any actors that you think should not be in any roles other than the ones they are really good at, like Cameron Diaz? as mentioned in Gangs of New York. I don't think that's applying she's good in that movie, but it's talking about, like, you know, she was just wrong for that particular role. Um.
2: I have one very specific one that came to mind immediately, and that is Katherine Heigl.
3: Oh, yeah.
2: She's got one speed, and you know what? <laughs> it's funny, Matt. You brought up Gerard Butler. I like The Ugly Truth quite a bit. It's a Happy guilty pleasure that makes me laugh, but she has got one speed; she can do it, and nothing else
0: whatsoever. So, you, you she's like she's got more beef with everybody than your local McDonald's. First of all, like, <laughs> does anybody have a single knife? No, you nobody. A can, like, every- <laughs> um, so, so I have two. One sort of back in the day and now, which is Keanu Reeves. Oh, yeah. Oh. I think John Wick is where he should be till he retires. Uh, he is very good at it. He, he knows, much like Tom Cruise, he's, he's kind of a stuntman now. Um, obviously, he doesn't have anywhere near the range that Tom Cruise does, not that Tom is the greatest actor. But with the exception of River's Edge which he's very good in, um, and Bill and Ted. That's really the extent of Keanu's acting ability. You look at all the other big roles that he's gotten where he's not the action star. Uh, Dracula. Um, the Lake House. Um, uh, you know, pick, pick your poison. He, he's never been good or even acceptable in movies where he's not asked to, you know, be an action star or a level book idiot like Bill and Ted. Um, and in a similar vein, I put Jason Statham. God damn it, that was one of mine. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think he, he's, he's great at what he does, uh-huh. but I don't really want to see him branch out of it. Um, and look, I go back to Keanu. I love The Devil's Advocate, but he's awful. In that oh, that's that—that's a movie that you love for all the wrong reasons. And yeah, uh, I thought he was terrible as Constantine. He's so wrong for that character. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm glad John Wick is paying the bills, and I, I really enjoy those movies. Um, and I even like seeing him come back to the Matrix
3: after all these years. I can't wait to cover Constantine. Uh, once we get to it in our comic book retro, because I, I just think there, there are so many dimensions to that movie that he just does not bring out in that role. Um, and then my other one I had, in addition to Jason Statham, which you fucking stole, uh, <laughs> was uh, was Vin Diesel. He oh. he tried branching out with A Man Apart and shit like that. Did he? <laughs> And nobody went to him, and nobody gave him any respect as an actor, and rightly so, because he's, a ter- he's terrible when he tries branching out. Stick to the fucking action shit that you do, and you will live very highly like you have on these goddamn Fast and Furious movies. Um, look, once he learned that, he has done very well. Uh, you give him a role where he says one line, he does very well, as you people have seen with Guardians of the Galaxy, but... Just stick to what you know. I think that's the uh, that's the motto of this question.
0: Yeah, you're literally telling Dom Toretto stay in Exactly. Your lap. <laughs> um, you know, and the funny thing you said about Vin Diesel, like people stopped going to those. There was a period where people stopped going to his action movies too. Like there was uh, Chronicles of Riddick bombed, uh, Babylon AD that bombed, Bloodshot like, bombed. Like oh, Bloodshot was crap. That was terrible. Uh, great a good comic book series but the, the mm-hmm. movie sucked uh it really wasn't until uh he came back to fast and furious that he really you know became bankable again. yeah because there was that um freaking what, what was that piece of crap he did with um i don't know if this was before oh the last witch hunt oh my god oh what a terrible movie that was <laughs> that movie was horrendous and entertaining- Fucking dragged Elijah Wood down with him. <laughs> which which is pretty easy to do because Elijah Wood's like 5'3. But
1: <laughs> he's a real life hobbit.
0: Uh, all right. Yeah. It's oftentimes with this question, a lot of it are the action stars. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Schwart- Schwarzenegger was the the definition of this answer. Mm-hmm. Oh, that man a Robin. need I say any more? Um. Stallone, not as much, because he at least can emote, um, and Rocky and Rambo are two very distinct characters, mm-hmm. uh, and he played them, you know, for decades. Absolutely. He's still playing them. Uh, but I'm trying, to think, yeah, I'm trying to think of ones, though, that are, like, not action stars. Um, Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Cameron Diaz is a good call. Yep. Uh, Catherine Heigl is a good call, as long as you don't have to work with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah so uh, the last one before we get to the uh, th- this envelope that I'm just itching to open same uh, <laughs> what are the what are the movies that always make you cry Um, who wants to go first on this one because I think our, our answers are going to be pretty different
3: very different Adam
2: <laughs> <laughs> Um, I couldn't think of a slew of them that make me cry but I Remember the last time that I cried watching a movie in a theater, and I've cried every time I've watched it since. Um, can't even get through the music of it without crying. Um, in the theater, Laura and I went and saw it together, and I started crying. At one point, she looked over at me, and she's just like, you are losing it, and I had I had lost it. And I lost it four times during the course of that movie, and that's Les Miserables. Ooh.
0: Oh my God! Oh. Um, is it the big uh, Anne Hathaway number?
2: It, I don't even make it that far before I start. <laughs> the first time he meets the priest, and it's and it's calm, you know, at the beginning, is, 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 I start. But then, oh, I, I I lost my shit with the Anne Hathaway number. Like I, was, I can't believe I had any tears left to cry later on. Um, but now, like if I if the house is empty and I have got to get. Everything out of me If I need to purge my emotional demons I put it in <laughs> And I'm like alright <laughs> Put it in so I can cry along um, But that's one that You know for every every right reason Because I, I utterly love it But will never ever fail to make me cry
3: That's a, good one. That's a very good one Uh, Alright I have two I will say One is I've already mentioned E.T. Guaranteed Every single time. It'll make me ball my eyes out. Uh, and the other, boy, you guys are going to laugh at this one. Uh, Meet Joe Black. It's, Ooh. yeah, it is in my top mm. ten movies of all time. And the final speech Anthony Hopkins gives at the end of that is very, very reminiscent of the speech my father gave us when he was about to pass away. And it hits me every single time. So those are the two that are guaranteed to make me cry every time.
0: I'm a big softie, I'll freely admit. Uh, I cry at a lot of movies, and I cry at movies sometimes I don't even like, uh, which, which is amazing. And I'm not saying that in a sarcastic way. Um, so, so I picked out a, a few that are that always get me. Like These are movies I've seen multiple times. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life, I picked, number one. Uh, Talk about Christmas movies, it's the Once He Returns, um to Bedford Falls and he's just overjoyed and exuberant and full of life. And he looks at the towards the end when he looks at the the note that Clarence left him in the Tom Sawyer book. Uh, that's a big one. Uh second one is about time. I don't know if you guys have seen this movie. Um one time. Mm-mm. Now a, a lot of this has to do with, you know, it's about time travel and a father and son and as someone who does not know their father. Um, I really connected to it, and then the the gut punch on top when he realizes that, like, you know, his dad, he can't visit his father anymore, um, despite having this time travel ability because of the, you know, time travel rules, because uh, it does have sort of a set. Uh, that gets me. Um, this is a really old one. I'm going with the champ. Uh, oh my God! One of this, this has to do with Jackie Jackie Cooper. Like he's like fucking nine years old, <laughs> yeah. and it might be the greatest child performance ever put ever put to screen. Yep. Like I I will I will make that claim. Uh, I put uh, searching for Bobby Fisher. I put wow,
1: um,
0: oh because it's it's that moment when uh, Joe Joe and. Joe Mantegna realizes he's become that obsessive sports father who values what his son can do versus his son as a person. Um, that's a big one. Uh, this one, so this one got me, uh, in the theater, but as a father now, I can't watch Logan anymore. I I can't fucking do it.
2: Oh, I did. Yeah. I I absolutely cried at that.
0: I I held up okay in the theater, uh, as best I could. But going back and watching it now, um, it it's it's bad. Like I, I watched that movie by myself, and I, I was just yeah uh, yeah I was I was not uh, I was not good. But but I think it's very important that movies can make you cry, and I say that because. It's very impressive when you are watching something made by people you don't know, you've never met, you've never had conversations with, but they tap into something deep inside you uh, that renders you, you know, in that state. I, I think that's why that's why people go to the movies, is to feel something, um, to, to get something out of it. Um, the, so the second part of the question I thought of is, like, is there something that you, like that you cried at like that had nothing to do with the movie. You know, I think of like when you see a movie, like let's say, um, I made the mistake of seeing a monster calls right after, right after someone had passed away that I knew. Oh my God. That movie will Uh,
3: tug at you too. Yeah.
0: Like, and you could be the most, you know, cold hearted bastard. Uh, I defy you to watch that movie and not at least well up. Like it is, it, 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 it will get to you. Uh, but, but yeah, like, and I don't like going to see movies that will make you sad because life is depressing enough as it is. Um, but, you know, I think it's a very, it's a, ve- and, you know, we come from generations where it wasn't okay to cry at movies. Yeah, it wasn't okay to cry at all. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, stuff like frickin', uh, Adam's gonna, I got a couple animated ones I wanted to throw out there. Up. Oh. Uh.
1: have
0: I have seen that. I've, well, the first ten minutes, fucker. I'm not talking about yep, the rest yep. of the movie. <laughs> um, when she stumbles going up the hill. Oh, oh fuck. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's that, and it's at the end of the movie, towards the end, when he opens the book, and he gets the letter from her that says, like, you know, thanks for the adventure. Uh, now go live yours. Oh. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: Um. Yeah. And then fucking Coco, man. I I went into that movie not knowing what the fuck it was about. I thought it was this whimsical, kid goes to the land of the dead, maybe he learns a life lesson. I didn't realize it was going to be about freaking Alzheimer's and people forgetting you after you die.
2: So Coco, we all watched together, and I originally went into it, you know, kind of, uh, whatever. I already watched Book of Life, and I liked that one fine. And We're watching it as a family. We're sitting on the floor. And it gets to that end moment, and you see it coming about five seconds in advance. And Laura looks at me, and I look at her. We're both like, "Uh uh-oh, uh-oh, (laughs) uh-oh. And it starts. And our kids turn around, and we are bawling. (laughs) And our kids are just like, "Uh uh-oh, Mom and Dad are both losing it. And, yeah, oh, Mama Coco, oh, shit.
0: Yep. Yep, I I think there's a there's a lot of and Pixar is very good at this, you know. With I I think of Toy Story two, Garrett, we talked about that. Yeah, Yeah. there's the I don't care for Monsters Inc, but I think it's very touching when it gives him that the piece of wood for the door at the end that that he Mm -hmm. that he kept. Uh, I have yet to rewatch Finding Nemo as a father. I don't know if I can do it. I'm not going to lie to you. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think You know pla- uh, And other ones we talked about Spider-Verse got me, but a lot of that had to do with Stan Lee just passing away yeah. You um, mentioned The Champ That brings up Rocky
3: for me That one will get me every time It's in my top ten, top five
0: Yeah, sports, sports movies are like the one Where you get a pass for crime. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, especially uh, if you're a dude you know, yeah. yeah, I think of that I think of, um uh, oh God, what, what, remember the Titans has some really powerful stuff in it as cheesy as it is. Um, you know, I, I think Miracle has some great stuff. Uh, The Wrestler destroyed me. Um, which is funny cause I hate Darren Aronofsky. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. But, but that, that movie, like if you could put freaking Brett Ratner's name on that before I would guess Darren Aronofsky directed it.
4: Um, speaking say, speaking of go. which,
3: I was shocked that The Whale didn't land on any of our lists. It would be on my worst of. Yeah, same
0: here. Yeah. Uh, Let me see. Here. Very good performance, but that that play must suck. <laughs> it did not make for a good movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, 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 Adam, since you mentioned Les Mis, I have to go back to the cult question. Cats is going to be one of the biggest cult movies we ever see.
2: But it'll be the butthole version.
0: (laughs) Yes. We got a Snyder cut. I want the butthole cut of uh, of that. So that concludes all the questions we got. Uh, Thank you, everybody. Uh, Yes, thank you you so much. You really made us think. I I hope we, we covered our bases. But I hear Garrett opening something. No, I haven't opened anything. So
3: you want me to go first?
0: Uh, oh, you want me to go?
3: I'll go. I'll open Jen's question a... as, she stand, as she's yeah, standing Yeah. So
0: we asked our significant others to write questions for us that we would answer on air. Sealed envelopes. Garrett and I haven't looked.
3: Nope.
0: Neither, neither is Adam.
3: Oh, Adam has one, too. Oh, yeah. All right. you want me to go or do you want to go, Matt? Uh, you go first. All right.
0: Because your, your girlfriend is the craziest of all of us. She's ours. definitely
3: crazy. <laughs> I guess... Love you, Jet. Yeah, Matt says he loves you. Love you, boo. Um, honey, is this to to Matt or to both of them? Um, both
1: of them.
3: All right, so if you had to remove one genre from the film industry, what genre would you remove and why? Honey, you should have put this on the okay. freaking questions list. <laughs> well, I have a, I have a. I have a cop out question. Musicals.
0: <clears throat> go ahead. Cop- oh, go- <laughs> sorry. Um, torture porn. Oh yeah. Um, I know. I know that's kind of like a subgenre, but it's it's a combination of it's a style of filmmaking I just don't care for, and I think for a long time it sort of damaged the reputation of horror. I don't um, Where for the longest of time stuff like Hostel and Wolf Creek. Um, you know, even the Saw movies eventually devolved into Trabistas. that. Ugh. And I think it, like I said, I think it really damaged yeah, horror for a long time. It did. Like the reason we have the term elevated horror, which I despise, is because we had so much like stuff that was looked down upon mm-hmm. that the fact that people can make something um like get out as an example, uh you know, people are like, Oh my god, this is in the same category as as uh, a sleepaway camp three, you know? Uh, so that's my answer. Oof. I'm, uh.
2: I guess I'd have to get rid of one, you can get rid of westerns for me. Oh, wow. I've, I've never been to them. There's, I can't get it outside of. As long as I get to keep Tombstone. Um, well, i just what you like <laughs> <laughs> hell's coming with me here. Um, I, I've just never been a, been able to get into them all the way back when my grandfathers had tried to get me to watch westerns with them. So those can
0: go. You're sticking with musicals, Garrett. Yes, sir.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Next, <laughs> you know, Matt.
0: If if
2: if we do Chicago, Les Miz, and then we do Evita. Garrett will be bought in because of Madonna.
0: I would. Well, here's the thing. Garrett would love Bob Fosse because he makes musicals for straight men. Wasn't he the announcer uh, for the A's for years? Oh, wait. That was... Oh, oh,
1: oh damn sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
0: sorry. Yeah, like stuff like All That Jazz, I think you would really like. Mm-hmm. It's a great movie. You know, Cabaret is, you know, what yeah, I call it, it's great. An integrated musical. Um... Hell, you love stuff like Willy Wonka. That's technically a musical.
2: That's a horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> the flasher slash, oh. movie? <laughs> Jesus.
3: All right. Matt, uh,
0: you have a... Uh... All right. Oh, Adam. Adam goes
2: next. All up in mine That way, since Matt's in an envelope, he can save his envelope.
0: All right. I'll probably rip the damn thing anyway.
2: <laughs> all right. Um. So from Laura, she asks... Matt and Garrett, if you, ooh, this is good. If you could sit and have a drink with any movie character, not the actor, but the character, who would you want to sit down and have a drink
3: Holy with?
2: Holy shit. Wow. I'm getting late tonight.
3: <laughs> <Great> question,
1: baby. <laughs> oh,
0: Jessica Rabbit? No. <gasps> <laughs> That's a, a good question. I go. So I, I have it depends. like so I have two answers. Like someone I could have a conversation with and someone who would I, I would have the best time with. I think are two separate answers. Uh I would gladly drink with Harry Potter, because he likely knows a spell that would keep the beers coming without me having to pay. Uh as as far as like, you know, uh like sitting down and having uh you know a, a conversation or you know like a like a stiff whiskey and just you know uh shoot, shooting the shit uh that's a little bit tougher um damn it's a, your wife has really a very smart brain
3: yeah
2: right out of my league
0: no
3: shit yeah this one's tough I will say two off the top of my head. Okay. I would go with John McClane because <laughs> he would be fucking awesome <laughs> to have a drink with. And I would go with Axel Foley. <laughs> oh, <nice. laughs> he would be tremendous. And I would go with Elizabeth Salander for obvious reasons.
0: <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. As far as train jabs, uh, I'm saying Captain Quinn. Oh, wow.
2: Oh, there's some storytelling yeah, there. Because
0: there I got plenty of scars I could show off. <laughs> oh, very nice. All right, so open mine.
3: Wow, tell Laura congratulations for that one. That was a good one. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, you fucker. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> So we wrote two. One is So so the movie question is if you could go back and fix one movie, what would it be and why? Ooh. Uh, God.
3: I want to say something so bad but we're going to cover it this year. So I'm not going to say that one.
0: Uh, that,
2: yep. That, that's kind I of think we
0: I have th- this I think we have the same <laughs> movie. I think all three of
1: us do cuz <laughs>
4: Oh,
3: God. Um don't kill Hicks and Newt and let the family unit live in Alien 3. Oh because I think taking them away took away exactly what James Cameron was going for in that previous film.
0: So I got one that I think really would have would have changed the history of a franchise. I think for the better. I would have gone back in time, sat in a room in Sony's office and say, let's let Sam Raimi make Spider-Man 3 the way he wants. That's a good one. Uh, because I don't believe we would have gotten the Andrew Garfield debacles. Um, there's always the question of would we have gotten Tom Holland in the MCU?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, but I, I think you look at those first two movies, wildly successful, Second one was, you know, lauded by everybody. Um, yes. you know, why would you put more handcuffs on a director and force him to do stuff? Um, I also tie that with, uh, going back in time and making sure Brian Singer stayed on to direct X Men 3 just to see what would have happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. what if, what if Tim Burton did his third Batman movie? Um, what if Edgar Wright did Ant-Man? There's a lot of, a lot of superhero ones that, um, what if Su- Richard Donner was never fired from Superman? Yeah. yeah. Uh, as far as, you know, maybe not a fix, but sort of a what if scenario. What if Tom Selleck played Indiana Jones? That's one I'd be really curious to see. And, and, that would have changed
3: two it, career trajectories. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. It, or, uh, yeah, there's a, a lot of good, like, you know, alternate casting. Like, what if. Oh, here's one. What if Kevin McClory was never born? (laughs) (laughs) That's a James Bond
3: reference for those of you. Go back to our James Bond retrospective. to hear that one?
2: You take Alien versus Predator. You let it be rated R. You cast it well. And you build it out towards the franchise, separating the two creatures away from each other before bringing them back together later.
0: Hmm. So the second. Now, Adam. Now, Adam. Do
3: you have one that we haven't covered this year? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <Hard-ass>.
4: <laughs> I'm just kidding.
3: All right. What was the other one, Matt?
0: All right. So. The, the second question was, this is the where the personal stuff comes in. Uh, describe your worst date in or relationship experience. <laughs> oh my god. okay. Um,
3: I can explain my worst date. I don't want to explain my last my worst relationship experience because that would involve knives and policemen. So we're not going to go there. Uh, (laughs) I will describe my worst date. Kristen, this is for you, sir. When I was in the midst of... uh, I was just getting over a pretty bad breakup. uh, My oral surgeon, of all people, was like, you know what you you should do? Go to eHarmony. That's where I met the guy I'm about ready to marry. I was like, you know what? I'll give that a shot. So I put my profile on there. And anybody who's gone on eHarmony knows you go through a huge screening process on that fucking site to the, f- to the point where it takes about an hour, 45 minutes to complete their entire enrolling part of that site. So I did that, and I started talking to somebody within about two weeks of paying my $49.95 for three months. Jeez. Yeah. And this person and I, we exchanged a lot of messages, and then we agreed on a date. And I go and meet her. And first of all, <laughs> I don't want to say this as an insult, but she was about, I'd say about maybe 20 pounds more than what she was in her picture, which is fine. Don't get me wrong. Everybody has a good picture of themselves. That's all A-OK. I go and pick her up. And Adam, I had lived in Concord at the time, and I drove to Brentwood to pick this girl up. That's quite a drive. That's about, that's mm-hmm. about 30, 35 minutes. Pick yeah. her up, and Easy. we are going to Clam Jumpers in Concord. So I'm going from Brentwood to back to Concord, and so and the car ride was fine. We had a very nice conversation. We go to Clam Jumpers, which is not cheap, by the way. And I was a college student at this time, and I was paying for this expensive dinner <laughs> from with a college <laughs> freaking salary. And so we sit down to eat. Her phone rings. Her cell phone. And she's on this cell phone for about five minutes. Waitress comes over, and I'm like, all right, just come back later, whatever. She hangs up, and then literally two minutes later, her phone rings again. This time she's on the phone for about ten minutes. And the waitress comes over, looks at us, and I look at her, and I put my arms up like, I don't know, like, (laughs) come back later, I guess. I'm sorry. You know, and I'm giving her a tip to just keep her coming and then she finally hangs up and then we start talking and then literally three minutes later her phone rings again this time she's deeply involved in the conversation and another 10 minutes goes by and i'm like all right fuck this i get up out of my seat and i go i tell her i'm gonna go use the restroom i go i do use the restroom but i take that opportunity to just leave and I have no idea how this woman got back to her house and conquered, but I ditched her and conquered, and <laughs> that was the end of that. And I never heard from her again. <laughs> don't get on the cell phone with me there if you're trying to get to know me, for Christ's sake. <laughs> uh,
0: uh, I wish you. I wish you didn't go first because I can't talk that. Um, so my super. Mine's super quick. I, I was in college. I was out at this time. Uh, I was on a date. Uh, with a guy I met at a, at a frat party. He was, he was in another fraternity. Uh, so we went out to dinner. Uh, we went to a, a hibachi place. Uh, it was like maybe 10 minutes from campus, so it was convenient. Uh, went really well. You know, we talked for, we were there for about two hours and ate. and um, So I, I drive him back to his, his frat house because that's where he's staying. He goes in for a kiss on the first date. He says to me, Don't be scared if my tooth falls out. <laughs> oh, shit. Are you serious? <laughs> I'm, de- I'm dead serious. <laughs> so I-, I said, What do you mean by that? And he goes, Three nights ago we had a fight uh at one of our parties. I got hit with the backside of a door because I I was standing in the way, like he wasn't in the fight, and his he moved his mouth and he showed his uh, one of his I don't know how I didn't notice this on the date. His canine was chipped in half. Oh my god! Um, and it was like a it was like a squiggly door. Um And he still had like dried blood in his mouth, so I freaked the fuck out. Um, but yeah, that that was my uh, let's say I didn't talk to him again. Oh wow! All
2: right, so. So I go to Claim Jumpers, and there's this girl there all alone, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Um, see, I really don't have any um, – all right. There was – I remember one that I had. We, um, uh, Somebody I was dating, we had, had theater tickets in oh, San Francisco. So we're going out there, and, and, of course, I know where I'm going, right? I, I looked it up on MapQuest. Back then, I might have even printed out the directions, I think, that told you step by step how to go. Kids, this is 95. Well, in San Francisco, there's a lot of one way streets. Yep. And in the theater district, there's a whole lot of one way streets. And you can drive around the same three blocks for about an hour. You know how I know this? <laughs> Did you know that if you show up after they close the doors they don't reopen the door until the act is over so one of our very first dates we got to watch the entire second act of Phantom of the Opera
0: <laughs>
2: <And> missed the <laughs> wow missed the entire first act of paying for theater in San Francisco in because my dumbass- Yep, because my has couldn't figure out how to get to the fucking theater.
3: Yeah, it's easy to get lost in San
0: Francisco, and this <laughs> is why I don't go to the West Coast. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and, and you're talking—this is me driving in San Francisco at 16. Yeah,
0: yeah. Wow. Mm. So, so to close out, I have I wrote down questions that I that I wanted to blindside you guys. with. Well,
3: we're not going to close this out because we yeah. also have to reveal our first six okay.
0: months. But go ahead. So. We all have watched Inside the Actors Studio. Oh, yeah. At some point. So yeah. I'd have oh. if we if we do the question. Oh, my God. You're going to do As that? Only only three of the questions, though. I picked, I picked my three things. All right. Um, so for those of you who don't know, uh, they would end the show with asking these uh, questions by Bernard Pivot. Um, so I'm going to say, question number one, uh, what sound and noise do you love the most? My
3: girlfriend's laughter
0: such a romantic. Uh, so I, I wrote uh, Ocean Waves Hitting the Beach.
2: Mm, my kid's saying I love you.
0: Uh, Aww. What sound or noise do you hate? Ooh, skip me for this one. Crying. Oh, yeah. Crying's a good one. Uh, I, yeah, the sound of my children crying and anything Garrett says. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Although I could say the sound or noise I love the most is probably Adam sighing as I do a plot summary. <laughs> it's pretty great. <laughs> yeah, I would say I would definitely say crying is definitely up there. What or profession? or somebody on the other end of my work ask, say, Manager Garrett, copy. That would be another one. <laughs>
0: What profession, other than your own, would you like to attempt? Ooh, astronaut.
2: Voiceover artist, book narration. There you go. Hmm.
0: I would say lawyer.
3: Is not your husband, a lawyer?
2: He's
0: a paralegal. He's a paralegal. So close. Okay. Uh, last you one. Got a pair oh. of something. <laughs> <Yeah. What? laughs> last one. What profession would you not like to do? Uh, digging in
3: mines. Mind digger. Going underground, going underground for other any reason.
0: Uh, uh, I'll say glory hole attendant.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the
0: jizz mopper.
3: <laughs> jizz mopper, good one. <laughs> a jazzer and a port theater. <laughs> That's a great one.
2: <laughs> Retail worker. Wow, we've both been
3: there. At least two of the three of us. We, we've all been there. I was going to say, at least oh. the two of the three of us, but I guess all three of
0: us have. Oh, fuck that. My first, my first job was, uh, like, at a, at a Party City store, and it was during Halloween, so I wanted to kill everybody. I'm sure you did. 25 years, not going back. Yeah. I, I was yelling, evil dies tonight on, the, on Halloween, <laughs> as, <laughs> as, as we were tearing all shit down to get ready for Christmas in November. <laughs> so, the final bit of business, uh, we are very, very, very excited to announce some of the retros we are doing this upcoming year. Oh, yeah. Uh, we've teased it that we are doing some heavy hitters, and I'm not going to say when we'll be covering them, but knowing the schedule of big movies that are coming out, uh, Indiana Jones will be one that we're doing to coincide with the new movie. Uh, oh. We will be doing more Stephen King, which I'll be saying for the next 25 years. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that that will be my default answer on anything when it comes to the red schedule is Stephen King will play a factor. Yes. Yeah, a lot of
3: King. A lot of King in this next year, well, which
0: I'm excited about. Yeah, but we are doing the first show of the new year is going to be the only movie he has ever directed. Uh Maximum Overdrive. Uh, uh, because that is part of the Night Shift collection. Um we will be doing, you know we did Batman this year, we are doing Superman, um, starting with the Donner movies, going up to possibly doing BVS again from Superman's point of view. That's still up for debate. Mm. Um,
3: I still want to do that. I That's not going to be up for debate. That's going to be done. <laughs>
0: Uh, we are doing Star Wars. Yes. Uh, yes. The cat's out of the bag. Yeah. Can I? Can I go uh,
3: ahead and say? You know, wow. I. Yeah, I did do this at Binge, but it was kind of a truncated version. And and when it comes to these big retrospectives, I like to do it one film at a time so that we can dissect those mo- the, the, the dissect the movies. And when it came to binge, they were doing commentaries at that time, and I was doing a column about Star Wars. And so there was a little Star Wars overload, and it was to the point where they were like, okay, you can do them, but just do them you know, two, three at a time or whatever. And I, I felt like my whole vision of that complete retrospective went down the tubes. And so we're going to do it correctly. We're going to do it – I'm going to do it with uh, Matt and Adam. And I, the thing about this retrospective that's very interesting is I think all three of us are coming this from very different angles.
0: Different, different angles, different generations. Um, Yeah, you know, uh, my Star Wars is very different than what your guys was growing up. Yeah, Um, and and
3: and I and I want to say too is when it comes to Star Wars, we are doing that entire series, as in all nine movies, plus the Ewok movies, and plus the um, the Clone Wars movies. That that the Clone Wars movie that came out. So, but we are spreading them out. We're not going to do them all at the same time, we're going to do the first set and the Ewok movies. And then we're, and then we're going to wait a couple months and we're going to move on to the prequels, wait a couple of months towards the end of the year and do the, uh, the Disney movies. So they are all spread out through the course of the year, which Matt, I thought was a brilliant idea.
0: Yeah. And they were starting in May cause May the 4th. Yep. Yeah. That was know, my, that was my caveat. Yep. Um, <laughs> so they're, they're, they're slated starting in May. Um, talked about Superman, uh, we're doing Pirates of the Caribbean, yes. that's one I wanted to suggest, largely because it's the 20th anniversary of the first one. And that's a franchise. Wow. Yeah, I know. Tell me about it. Uh, that was a big reason why I think these movies are very... Uh, as we'll talk about, it's one of the most surprising successes mm-hmm. uh, considering the beginnings it came from. Um, I'm trying to leave some... Under the – we are bringing Mike Ganary back for a surprise retro. Well, we announced that Uh, when we were doing uh, Scorsese. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we're we're going to do
3: Dirty Harry at the end of the year next year with Mike. And Mike has seen, I think he said, one or two of them. So – and like I said earlier in this podcast, I love bringing people on who haven't seen the movies that we're covering so that they can watch them for the very first time. And Ganary always brings a unique perspective when it comes to these movies – I mean, when we, when me, you, Matt, and Mike did uh, Scorsese, I think we fought about
0: every single one of those movies. So, well, <laughs> speaking of speaking of fighting, we are bringing him back for Shyamalan's new movie. Yes, yes, that that'll be in February. We're not steering clear of new releases. We are doing the new Fast and Furious movie. Mm-hmm. We're doing the new Mission Impossible movie. Uh, Transformers. Yep. Uh, God, kill. <laughs> Kill me now. <laughs> uh, Oppenheimer, which we mentioned. Um, Hunger Games. Yep. Uh, Shit, there's, a new, there's a new Ghostbusters movie slated. Um, so that brings me to the let's let's divulge the horror that we're doing because every year we do a horror franchise or try to. Um, and I thought fifty years and there's a new movie. Mm-hmm. Let's bite the bullet and do The Exorcist. And, um, and
3: there's somebody I want on that series. And we haven't just divulged who's going to be a third on that one. But I I really, really am excited to do The Exorcist. I've been wanting to do this series forever. Hell, I think I had Adam do a fucking intro for it years ago when we were on binge. And we never actually sure. were able to get to it. So this is a series I've been wanting to do for years.
0: So I, I think 2023 is going to be a banner year. All, all kinds of – like we're covering – some of the you know the biggest franchises out there. We're covering some niche stuff like you know the, some of the Stephen King, some lesser known stuff that people might not have heard of.
3: Well, the, the King we're doing this year is, I mean, we gotta cover all the night shift movies, and that is a, that was the challenge when it came to King was how are we gonna go through those? We're not gonna go through them all in, in a row because I think that would literally kill Adam. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna yes, we're gonna yes, sp- we're spreading them out throughout the course of the year. And we're going to start the year after with the final story of that set, which is Children of the Corn. We're going to do all nine of those, or 10, 11, whatever, how many there are. Uh, but Night Shift will be the king we do throughout the course of the year, starting with Maximum Overdrive. And uh, definitely that, that is definitely going to be the slog of this retrospective, is getting through the Night Shift, because there's so much... Oh, boy. I don't know how many higher than five out of tens we're going to be given that series. Uh, But we've recorded one, and I'm going to say that at least one of the people in this podcast is not excited about that movie.
0: Yeah. I mean, we are catching a break. Salem's Lot is on schedule because the the new remake is supposed to come out, although I'll believe it when I see it. But I do want to say, to start the new year, there is a new release we are doing as a one off. It's because there was a little trailer that came oh, out.
3: Oh, God. I forgot about this one.
0: That Garrett sent us that took the internet by storm because it was a breakdancing robot doll yes. murder. <laughs> uh, we are going to do Megan because it looks so fucking insane, and I'm dying to go see it.
3: Yeah, that'll be the one off that, you know, we, we kind of surprised people with Black Phone last year. And uh, this will be the horror film that we begin the year off with is Megan. And, God, I love James Wan. Adam, I know you're a big James Wan fan as well. But, God, can yep. I can I get behind this movie? These these trailers look
0: awful. I, I can't wait to go see that. Uh, I'm more excited for that than I am for Indiana Jones. Hell, I hope she fights, I hope she's in Fast X, I hope she's in Mission Impossible, I hope she is, <laughs> I hope she is the 2023 Thanos, where she is at everything. Uh, uh, but speaking of everything, you know, it's been a blast, you know, it, it's, you know, this the, the record for the longest continuous show we have done. Yeah. It's like we're back oh, in yeah. game. <laughs> um, but we're here because of all of you, you know, thank you all for listening. Um so I'm gonna sort of turn the floor over to Garrett before we kinda of close out and we'll we'll do some closing stuff before we, you know, say goodnight and uh let me go to bed and check on my kids.
3: Thanks everybody. It's been a wonderful first year here at Perk Related Media. We have so many retrospectives we're already proud of this year. We did Top Gun, we did Batman, close it out, we did Scorsese. And we are, we and then we did some of the night shift at the end of the year. It's just been a fun, fun journey. I'm glad for the two that are on here, and I'm very excited because we there are things coming up, like we mentioned, with the Patreon and things. And we're just happy for all the support that we're getting. Um, I mean, the questions we got was a big illustration of just how many people are actually uh, supporting us in this venture and I couldn't be happier. So I'm very excited for the next year.
2: Yeah. Thank you everybody. Thank you for those cues and hope you enjoyed our A's and, um, yeah, we appreciate it huge. Please like us, please share, please write a review. It, it, it makes all the difference. And, uh, yeah, if you like what we do, just share us a little bit, share us to somebody. And I did, Spread our word. yeah. And
3: I did close the year out with an interview that I think everybody should listen to because I think, uh, Lonnie Diane Rich is a fantastic person, and God, I, I think she, uh, she does things that are very reminiscent of what we do with TV. So if you like TV shows like Buffy, like Angel, um, like The West Wing, uh, go check out her, uh, her stuff. Uh, listen to that podcast. Find out where you can listen to it because she is fun, and who knows? Maybe she'll be back on the percolated airwaves before long.
0: Thank you all very much. You know, we appreciate this. Appreciate the support. Appreciate the listens. Uh, appreciate the engagement. Uh, that's always a fun part. Um but Yeah, so so to close out, you know, thanks for a great year. Hope all of you have a great festive New Year. And uh, let's hit 2023 in the best way we know how, by us yelling at each other about how wrong we are. So until then, thank you all very much. And we will be here uh with the next show before you know it. Thanks,
4: everyone. Happy New Year, everyone. She was part of the Air Force, I was part of the band I always used to burst into my hand and my, my, my imagination I was living my best life, living my parents way before Paying penance and verbal penance And my About the people, do you but, but that's kind of the idea. I right stuff off the borderline. Come to us. needs on the can